you're listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. like to be in service, but we also uh, like to create. Yeah. I think that's the, uh, I don't want to speak for you, but that's what's satisfying about not getting paid in those instances, I guess, is you're just getting paid in a different way. You just have to have that perspective in mind, you know, and it's much more a uh, retroactive perspective. I'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and yeah, and I mean, it is rewarding. Like, it's really fun getting to play music and like you see your cousin walk down the aisle or your oh, sibling yeah. or you know or whatever like there's definitely i always i always love that and it's always interesting too like what their perspective is or what they want like everybody mm. wants something a little bit different when my yeah. cousins wanted to walk down the aisle to <laughs> uh to the theme from jurassic park the <laughs> like so i worked out like a solo bass <laughs> arrangement with a looper and like, nice. you know, it's just stuff like that. Like I, was, I wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> now, if you said like X-Files or something, that'd be even like, oh, wow, that's that's way out there. But that's at least a nice arrangement. But oh, yeah. It is. Well, you can't go wrong with John Williams. <laughs> I, I agree. You really can't. And like. It's just more epic, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like what, He's so great at like building drama and themes and like making things feel really connected. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so whimsical. Like the. I don't know, it just brings like, I don't know, it builds. There's that, that building notion. It's like, um, it's not like watching like a, a loading bar go up. It's like feeling the lower waves of the ocean like ripple up, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> like the emotion it brings out of you or the, I don't know, I mean, this is relative to me, but like, it just feels like such a uh, an epic uh, coordination, you know? It's not just like, and we're getting there. It's a formula, we're gonna get to the top. You know, like maybe like a, a DJ set or something might feel more like yeah but that just has this like yeah I don't know I know I just said whimsical but like I don't know almost ethereal like it's just like oh my god like where's it gonna go totally and that's why like you know there's there, there's been times in the past where I'm like well this score of his reminds me of ET or this reminds me of something else he's done and you you listen to them together and you're like now that's that's way different like oh my god this guy's a monster. Like, <laughs> definitely, he's he's got like a way of you can tell it's him, mm. but it's not like. Uh, but yeah, it's not exactly the same. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and it feels, he's, you know, like I said, like he's really good at building drama. But it's crazy. Like, I've done a few film scores uh, in the past, and one time I was just trying to study some of his stuff, and I forget what maybe opening a Star Wars, like maybe maybe like New Hope or something, mm -hmm. and like changes keys like seven times in like two minutes you know what i mean or something and i remember being like that's why this is so exciting is like yeah. there's a lot there's a lot going on yeah you know what i mean it's, it's like, like taking your brain to all these different places before it comes to the end <laughs> yeah man, it's wild i don't know yeah well thank you for for coming out brother i really yeah. appreciate it thanks for having me yeah absolutely so how have you been what are you up to how have i been i've been pretty good i feel like um I'm grateful to have working AC. Uh, I oh, think the shoot. temperature's 10. It's supposed to be a 108 today. Yeah, like it's it's. No, no, no. no yeah, no. get a little <laughs> get a little scared. I'm really worried about August. You know, I, oh, I feel like. Oh gosh, yeah, dude. Okay, so I know I've experienced 110, maybe 111 in my lifetime. Yeah. I think that's the highest, right? Yeah. Like down here. 
I think. I think. Uh, yeah. 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 If we break that, yeah, yeah. It's like people better be paying attention. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, it's like, come on, man. If Texas is freaking out, <laughs> if Arizona's freaking out, like, come on, we're the ones that are supposedly holding the heat down. Like, well, it's normal. Like, no, no, no. Even the guys that wear jeans every day are like, this isn't normal. <laughs> yeah. This is getting too, too wild. This like, is nuts. I grew up in the greater Philadelphia area. Okay. So, like, I've been here, August will be 10 years. Oh, wow. And, uh, but it's funny, like, I was home in June, and I think the high was, like, 80-something, mm-hmm. and the low is, like, 58. And I remember being like, this That's is... nuts. Oh, I miss I miss this in the summer. Like, <laughs> I feel like some people are snowbirds, you know, and they'll, they'll like, live in the north and come down south in oh, the summer. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of feel like I want to do the opposite. The like, opposite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, go up north dude, of the summer. Dude, my, my sister and her family <laughs> went to uh, visit some friends in Portland uh, maybe a month ago. Yeah. So it's still, like, hot, you know, whatever, summer. It's still summer. And, like, yeah, they went to the beach, and it was, like, in the 40s or something. And I was like, what? Like, that's yeah, just, man. like, that's just, that's, that's, that is unearthly to me. But, I mean, it is earth. That's just earth, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. Oh, goodness. Yeah, well, uh, how did you get into music? You know, where, where are your, your roots from? Is it coming from your, is it in your family at all? or? Yeah. Um, oh, and can you move this just a tiny yeah, bit closer? Yeah, you need me to pull it closer? Yeah, just scoot right, it up yeah. a little bit. Cool. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah, um, let's see here. Uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Musical roots. You know, is it running your family? Yeah. Um, not, not in the way, like, it wasn't like my parents, you know, were professional musicians. Now I'm a professional musician. Mm. Music's always been around mm-hmm. but not really in like the not in that way like a th- professional sense mm-hmm. yeah totally my mom came up in a family where it was like everybody had to play piano for two years mm. and then they would play an instrument you know through school kind of thing yeah belief in this like well-roundedness and mm. and i think my mom kind of pushed that same kind of idea with me and my brother and so mm. he played trumpet and I was like, well, I want to play trumpet or mm. something like that. And I, I guess I didn't even do it right. When I was real little, there was a keyboard. There was some piano lessons. Didn't make it more than like six months. But the keyboard stuck around in the house. Mm. So that was like a, to me, it was like a toy. Me and my brother would sit there and like click through mm. the beats. We'd sit there and like try to make up little things. Yeah. Um, so it's more of a creative outlet than like a in, like a musical instrument. Like, yeah. yeah. Kind of thing. And it, it's kind of funny. My girlfriend, Candace, she, she's getting into playing piano. And she... Uh, she actually has one of the books, like the first book I remember oh, like, learning out learning of. Out. Wow. Yeah, it kind of messed me up. I saw that. She, I was like, where did you find, like, you know, and I guess they still make it. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. But, but yeah, and then what's interesting is like both my parents, they listen to a lot of music. My dad loved uh, Talking Heads. He kind of got me into funk pretty mm. early on. He bought me like my first Christian McBride record. Like, so he was always like a big like music listener. Yeah. And I think by the time I was in high school, he was really taking me to shows and there was things he wanted to see and there was things that I wanted to see and we would both go see all of it together, which wow. is pretty cool. But it's interesting, like, I feel like, uh, I've thought about this a lot and I feel like a lot of the influence or, or a lot of like the experience of seeing musicians or hearing about it, mm-hmm. it's like a lot of my friend's parents were musicians. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting, like I had a neighbor, Brendan, and uh, his father played accordion and he played around town and he played in Philly and Delaware a lot. Mm-hmm. We lived uh, like in Southern Chester County which is like, we were like five to 10 minutes from the Delaware border, but also like five to 10 minutes from Maryland, but also like within, you know, maybe 45 minutes of downtown Philadelphia, so. That's just so crazy, man. Yeah. Like any time I hear anybody from like the North and the more compact, smaller states, (laughs) whatever, talk about, 
yeah, man, we had to drive two hours, you know, across three states to get, you know, to this store or whatever. I'm like, I drove two hours just to get to another city, like, just to see a relative, like, over here. Like, it's mind-blowing. It is insane. Like, the, you, it's very normal there for, like, everything is trees. And so when you look left and right on a highway, it's just trees. trees. And you can't really mm. see a long distance. Like, if you're on a hill, you might see a couple miles. But here, like, mm. you know, it's insane how wide the sky is. Like, people talk about Texas skies, and it's like, yeah, it's substantially different. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. rarely interrupted, like, by your immediate, like, field of view or whatever. <laughs> no, totally. But, yeah, that's why uh, one time I, I flew to Atlanta and then drove to Nashville for Bonnaroo. And, like, oh, that wow. that drive was ridiculous. It was just all tall trees. And, like, I mean, obviously, the highway in immediate Atlanta was ridiculously insane. Yeah. Because uh, it's, like, seven lanes or, like, whatever. It's just <laughs> madness. Uh, but then, yeah, once you get out further into, like, Georgia and just, like, man, it's just so beautiful. Like, yeah, just the, the proportion of trees is just, like, mind-blowing to me. I'm like, oh, they're everywhere. And they're massive. Like, this is great. Like, this is, like making my soul so happy like <laughs> yeah not just like a plane like the whole time just <laughs> flat <laughs> oh man uh, it's kind of it's kind of crazy one of my best friends he got married uh, over the summer and they were, they got married in front of this tree that is older than the state of pennsylvania oh it's like 15 minutes from where my you know parents you know where i grew up and all this uh that's crazy it, it just it's messed like me up like, years old or something like that yeah something wow. something yeah it's that's nuts it's gnarly and then in like fall I definitely miss i think there's some things i miss there's some things i don't but uh seasons just like the fall up there is crazy just mm. seeing the trees change yeah and, like you really feel kind of the like the juxtaposition of the seasons a little bit more mm. um but i don't know you know it is nice to be somewhere where in december um you know i can wear shorts you yeah know, and, you're not frozen out like yeah <laughs> all, all the time <laughs> but i feel like people take it for granted a little bit or i feel like i do sometimes mm. it's like it's like living up there it's like the first sunny day mm. in like april which is like a rarity even sometimes like it might just rain mm. the whole month or something but like <laughs> like that day it's like the world stops it's like everybody comes outside everybody wants yeah. to see what's going on it's just like there's like a there's like a communal feeling of yeah. like it is spring now yeah you know um whereas you know there's things up there you're talking about, like the distance between mm, things. Mm. And it's funny because like if you drive in and out of the city, like you can kind of get confused as to like where did the city stop? Because the mm. a lot of the suburbs just feel pretty similar. They look kind of similar. Mm. So if you're driving on like non, non-highway, like it kind of is hard to tell the difference of where it starts and stops. Mm. And I feel like... Uh, here that's like the seasons almost, you know what I mean, or something. It's like it's like it's all kind of one, you know, one thing almost. One thing. You know? <laughs> it's true. It's just one big heat wave. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, <laughs> definitely. Uh, so, um, what did, you said, trumpet was your brother, right? Did did you start off with the bass like originally? No. I mean, uh, yeah. no, no. Okay. Yeah, actually, I I played. He played trumpet, so I wanted to play trumpet and. I really took it super serious. I mm. kind of mess around with it, and um, was it like in band kind of stuff? Yeah, I did yeah. the band thing in school. I don't think I ever really was like a good reader, you know, back then mm. or anything. But it was like, mm-hmm. here's the notes, and all right, these are the notes, and yeah. I took some lessons in elementary school, which was I'm very grateful for. It was very fun. But it was interesting of like, like I mentioned, like a couple of my neighbors. Another one had like a recording studio. Oh wow! And then like uh, one of my friends that we ended up being pretty, you know, very close for a long time and. You know, and we were still close now, but he uh, he played drums and he had a uh, his dad was a jazz drummer, had a crazy uh, 
record collection in the basement. We used to oh, rehearse wow. in his house. Uh, but he was the one who told me in probably like middle school, he's like, hey man, if you play bass, like you're gonna get more gigs. Mm. Like there's there's a lot of opportunities to play. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that just kind of like stayed in my head, but That's I didn't really- That's good advice. You know, yeah, it was like, <laughs> it's like kind of crazy. You know, we were probably in sixth or seventh grade, you know, or something. Mm. I was like, I don't know what that is, 12, 13. Yeah. He said that, and then a lot of my friends, sure enough, like started playing drums, started playing guitar, and everybody, no one, no one even knew a bass player. So yeah. I played in a band with some friends when I was a freshman in high school. Met, met a couple guys. It's like a ska thing, mm. and uh, playing trumpet, and I can't really play. Like I, like I couldn't really do the things they were asking me to do. Um, and at that uh, rapid stuff. Yeah, you know, I just it, it was not my bag. Like, so I was like, hey, I, I know somebody that's a better trumpet player than I am, and mm. they had fired their bass player actually, if my memory serves correct. Mm. And so I, fortunately, my parents, you know, they'd heard me complaining and, and wishing and all these things long enough. They, they, uh, they got me a bass for my what would that be, fourteenth birthday or maybe fifteenth, whatever freshman year in high school. Nice. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, so I was really ha happy to to get to do that and or that that was a thing and and I told him I was like you know with my friends his name was Cameron and I was just like hey man like uh, I'll play bass I'll get my friend Jeff to play trumpet and you know that that's that you know yeah. so and they uh, they kicked my ass like it was kind of funny like a lot of <laughs> <laughs> a lot of my experiences like I never really played bass much in school I never really took lessons with it until much later mm. like everything was just kind of like communal with friends going yeah. to people's houses, people showing me stuff. Um, you know, and I, I played in this band for a little bit, and then after about a year, I met a guy who lived down the street from me, and uh, he was homeschooled, and he was amazing at bass. And I remember mm. being like, hey man, like how long have you been playing? He's like, one year. And I was like, I've been playing for one year. Like, how? <laughs> like what do you mean, like one year, you know? So, so he started showing me all these things, and he showed me like Flea and, and Chili Peppers and stuff like that, mm. and that kind of opened a door. And I kept like trying to get those bass player magazines and I'd read all the names of the oh, people that they liked. Yeah. And then I would just start, you know, searching their names online or yeah. asking people about them. And that got me into Jocko and stuff. So mm. it was really fun to like, yeah, it was a cool, I really am grateful for the way I grew up with that. Cause I think that it really was kind of a vibe. But at one point I was like, whose house are we going to after school today? Like, what are we going to play? Mm, you yeah, know, and yeah. like, well, that's uh, a, that type of fellowship. It's just got a unique energy to it. When you, when you feel like you can be yourself, by meaning you can be good or bad, you know, and yeah. it's acceptable. But if you're going to do something bad, then, I mean, obviously you got to be responsible and respectful of the group and do better. <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, you can be yourself and then you're going to create. And it's just like, yeah, let's just keep trying. You know, let's just keep getting together. Yeah. But that I, I, I don't know whether it's jamming or trying to actually write or something. I just think there's something that's so um, beautiful about that. Like that really feeds you, whether if you're maybe just moving that meter like 1% or like 5%, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know, it just... At least you're trying, you know, you're getting the, the energy out, you're getting the willpower, you know, to do it, you know. Absolutely. And I, I, I think it's true, like the a community really pushes each other to improve. Yeah. And I think that like, you know, the at the very beginning it was like, hey man, uh, if you can't play this by next week, we're gonna find somebody else. Like that yeah. was that was like verbiage. Yeah, it's like you know, <laughs> Here's reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so so there's things where it's like, okay, I need to like figure out what what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. Um, you know, and then there's stuff where it's like, yeah, working together to write new things. And like, mm. by the time later in high school, I think I started to get into, you know, I started getting into jazz more. Mm. A lot of my friends would play jazz, but I was always kind of like adjacent. That was kind of always the situation because I didn't play in the school band because mm. I was playing, um, 
I forget how it worked, but conflicted with sports or something. I was mm. doing some sports in school. Uh-huh. So like, uh, so was jazz to you like some kind of like weird land to step into or like well, you maybe it was, I was like hyper complicated, like don't I, even try. It's a good, <laughs> I mean, it's a good question. I think I always wanted to be more involved, mm. but for a long time it was like, um, like I could almost be involved. And mm. so, uh, but by the time I went to college, it was like, that was like very much a, a focal point at times. Mm. Uh, I'm putting all these asterisks around it, but basically like <laughs> in high school, like- Maybe. <laughs> yeah, you know? Uh, one of my friends, he, he, uh, he was a bass player and I signed up for uh, the music theory courses. That was cool. I learned some stuff in there, had some weird interactions. Uh, and, then, and then I think it was my senior year, it was like they had a jazz improvisation course. And I was like, mm. this is cool. Like I wanna yeah. take this. And they're like, well, we wanna take it on trumpet or bass. And like the original band director, I, ne- I never felt really comfortable with him. And he, uh, he got fired. He got fired for whatever reason. And uh, our student teacher became in charge of our whole band program. Mm. And he was 22 years old at the time. Oh, he wow. was in charge of like 160 students full time while he still finished his degree, I believe. Ooh. Like this is at least my memory. Uh, and and oh, man, my brain is not even working. If I would, I'd shout out his name. Cause he, cause he, the cool thing was that he made me feel comfortable in a way where it was like, I could play bass, mm. you know? And even though I couldn't really read, like we're talking like, that's a C. Nah, that's not it. <laughs> okay, so this is like okay, I got it. Yeah. You know, like that was like that was like my my rate of intaking mm. information. Like um he was like, Yeah, man, like I could I could almost kind of read the chord sheet. My friend that was a, a better bass player, uh Greg, he he just kind of was like, Hey man, I'll play drums, like you play bass and I kinda help you. And like mm. sure enough, like that same thing is just like friends and community yeah. kind of schooling me on like how to walk, how to do things that don't sound corny, like yeah. How do you improvise? You know, uh, this guy, Dave Renz, he ran the class and he still teaches there and still plays. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think that like, that definitely like opens some doors of like things to consider. Um, do you think taking the improv route as well opened up your mind in different ways? Definitely. I think, I think learning to be more expressive. I feel like bass is not traditionally, like if you think about bass lines, um, there are certain genres and things like if you think of the rock genre, for example, there's a lot of stuff where like in the tradition of it, like it's not very exciting. If you think sure. about like R&B, it's like James Jamerson who's one of the first people I learned about and studied when I started taking lessons. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, it's so melodic. There's so much energy going on. There's so many different like, yeah. you know, well, things or, going or, on. Or it's sometimes, uh, I know you'll know this, like the way it's mixed from 50 years ago, like I don't want a bunch of kick. I don't want a bunch of bass like this, like, that's just to keep the rhythm. Like it's not to like make people like flash with emotion or like, it's not supposed to like be this, <laughs> you know, finesse little, like nice thing to feel like, it's just kind of like, keep the groove, keep the groove. But then I, it's just, I mean, that definitely started to wash away. I mean, like, uh, like I love, um, I think it's on YouTube, like Paul McCartney's like isolated parts on the, the first half or I think it's all of Abbey road. Sure. And it's just the isolated parts and like, some of the rapid fills he would do. And like, sometimes you can't even tell that's there just because of the way it was mixed. hundred percent. But like the new, uh, I think this is what turned me on to that. Uh, looking into that was the new mix they did. Like, uh, I think it was 2019 when they, you know, the 50th year kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you, it's way more pronounced. Cause I, uh, cause, uh, George R. Martin's son 
mm. remixed it. Yeah. And so I guess Giles is like, crank that bass, like <laughs> <laughs> get that up. Uh, but yeah, because, you know, I, I've my dad used to make this comment every now and then when things would get remastered. He's like, I don't like this version. I prefer the other one. I'm like, what do you mean? Shouldn't it be clear? Like my younger you yeah. know, idea was like, but didn't they clean it up and like do it better or whatever? But now I've, I've as I've gotten older, like I've like that. That's a good example. Where I'm like, wow, now I can really hear those fills. Like, I think it's the I know you can hear it, but you can hear it way better now on um, um, uh, I want you. Uh, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. That was what I was thinking in yeah. my head, too. Like he plays some. There's some stuff on that yeah, song. Yeah, like you know? some weird, like aggressive, like fills, like just like come out of nowhere, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like, 100%. Yeah, yeah. And so like that, when 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 the Giles version came out, I was like, wow, this is crazy. Now, just to back up my comment about sometimes I don't like remasters, like yeah. the John Lennon one they did, the uh, uh, I think it's Give Me Truth, Give Me Truth, the one they did like a year or two ago. Okay. Like half of those mixes, I'm not a fan of. They like, for some reason, they made the drums like the lead sound instead of the piano which he wrote everything on the piano so yeah. it's like why'd you do that he didn't he never tracked it over a drum he always tracked it over the piano why did you do it like that i don't know it's just this with their choices but <laughs> i just wanted to specify there is if there's one mix i'll throw out there i'll throw that one out though like i'm not a fan no. but uh but absolutely man uh, ba- by bassist because i started with the bass actually oh right on my uh my, my parents were preachers growing up but my mom mainly led worship so she would always uh, sing and, and play guitar so I grew up with her, you know, practicing in the house all the time. Uh, my grandfather also played uh, for us every time we got together, all yeah. the time. Um, it was more like Tejano and, and Spanish music, but uh, but it was always around me, but it was magical to me. So, like, and my dad was the same, where he was a huge appreciator of music, major nerd, but he just never wanted to do it, you know, but he loved it, you know, he loved it so dearly, and it was just so welcomed and, you know, championed in our family that, like, I did the same thing but yeah. in the same steps of my father and just keeping it magic, you know? And like, there was definitely times where my mom was like, you know, you should learn this. Or like someone would give me a guitar and I would just get so locked up. Yeah. I was just like, I'm in, I'm not in this. This isn't who I'm, I'm not, I'm not Paul. I'm not, I'm not uh, George Benson. I'm not like all these, you know, people just flying in my head. It's <laughs> like, that's not me. How, how the hell am I, you know, not even trying to compare myself to just my immediate. It's like, just be a part of the family and learn it. You know, that's the one thing I regret mm. in the past is not taking that approach too much ego but but eventually when i got um uh, when i graduated high school and um uh got into college my, my brother-in-law he would play with with friends and, and and then one day he just told us like hey we're just gonna be jamming if you want to hang out and i was yeah. like yeah I'll, I'll show up and yeah they needed a basis so i was like well i know the way notes ascend and descend the fretboard i at least know that much you know so they would tell me like the the root note and explain it and uh, and then the drummer explained to me like to why because it was all improv most of the time yeah and like watch for the upbeat and downbeat and what that means and, the, and just, you know and, the, and it just all this the stuff you accrue when you're working that way and like, man it just brought me alive because i'm like oh i'm over here trying to be like you know you get a guitar and, and if it's in you then like you 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 get a you know a beeline straight to being hendrix yeah when really it's like no this is a new practice to where you can find yourself if you put in enough work you'll be able to find your own way sure it doesn't work i mean it can work any way you want yeah but like at least in my experience in this general you know path of approaching music and loving it and making sure i'm not going to disrespect it um that's how i i was brought to it so yeah uh, so yeah so the bass for a couple of years and then one day the drummer wasn't there so i filled in on the drums and uh i grew up on rock band uh for, for two or three summers with oh, my cousin okay. being hyper competitive <laughs> 
you know, like he would be on medium and I'd be on easy. And then the next time I saw him, he'd be on hard. I'm like, oh man, I need to get to hard, you know? Yeah. And so we were both on expert, like real fast, just because of, again, that fellowship and competition, you know, is a healthy balance. And uh, yeah, so I, I've been playing drums and, and in guitar and, uh, for the last uh, four or five years now. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, yeah. but but I really love it now. Like, I, it's like that whole ego side, like, I, I don't care about me anymore. Like, who cares? Like, yeah. I just want to get better at this. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> or I just want to understand it a different way, you know? Definitely. Because I just, I like appreciating it. And it's still magic to me. But I've realized how to define that magic a little bit better and still keep it magical, you know? At least now I can communicate it, you know? That's... That's a huge thing. That's major, yeah. That, I think that, to be honest with you, I think that that's probably why i had any interest in like music um like going to college for music because i felt like there was things i was trying to say that mm. i didn't know how to say them yes and like i would give directions and <laughs> uh and i remember like one of the things that kind of pushed me more in a composition was i was like yeah like a sus chord and they they like the guitar player like played all the notes like on one like just like barred it uh -huh. you know it was like this that's not what i mean or he played a voice and it was just like not it just did not sound good to yeah. me but i couldn't I couldn't you can direct. Yeah, yeah, and I couldn't, and I couldn't even play an instrument that could play the chord I could hear. Yeah, that was the thing that stressed me out yeah. too. You know, so mm, that's that is a, an awakening moment. Yeah, in that like, oh, because I'm a communicate. I mean, obviously, I'm a very talkative person. Same. <laughs> but so like, yeah. when I can't do that, like, I don't get. It's like it's not like I shun that like idea, and I'm like, don't ever do that again. You don't sure. know what you're doing. If it's like, oh, that's interesting. That's like kind of like a dim. This might sound bad the way I'm about, but that's like a dimmer part of my brain that like I'm not. I just haven't shined light on it. Like, I'm just not, I haven't flexed that part of me yet. So why am I, one, either why am I expecting to do that or I just need to bone up. I need to like get inspired and, you know, get into it. <laughs> no, I, I'm right there with you. I feel like there's a, uh, man, I want to say it's a Ira Glass quote, like that your taste drives your motive or something like that. Your taste mm. guides your, like your, you know, your decision-making basically. Yeah. And it's that thing of like when you, you know, it's like, okay, so maybe I'm not worried about the sus chord for now. But at some point I'm like, man, what was that thing in this song? What was that thing in that song? Yeah. And eventually it's like, I learned what it was because I liked how it was being used. You know what mm, I mean? Or oh, like, yeah. or so, yeah. certain things like that. It was like, in that moment, like when I was talking to my friend, I, I don't think that, I don't think that my intentions were coming from a place of how I heard it. It came from a place of like theory, which I think mm. is, which I think is one of the detriments of like, if somebody, gives you all these rules and says, this is how these things work. Like a lot of people start to try to pretend to write things that sound like, you know, either Bach or, or mm. <laughs> you know, or like stuff with really good, really good voice leading or stuff that sounds like, uh, you know, a certain, a certain kind of jazz or a certain kind of thing. And I yeah. think that exploring, like, like that's a, it's cool to learn about those things, but there's a lot of things that don't get covered in school. Like I would argue say most of the things I've spent the most time doing <laughs> didn't learn in school potentially, you know? Mm, maybe yeah. maybe there was a thread, you know, or maybe I met somebody that introduced me to something. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of things. And and, and for me, even with, you know, with, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, with the, with the J word, with jazz, like, I feel like when I was, you know, when I was in high school, I learned some, you know, some stuff about it. When I went to my first undergrad, I ended up transferring, but that school was cool because I couldn't, like I mentioned, I couldn't really read. Mm. That place taught me how to read. Mm. Uh, I ended up working with some really amazing people. And I, and I, I we all were kind of sponges of, you know, me and my friends uh, at the school, like we would go and just try to rip as many CDs as we could. Mm. I remember like checking out the whole Miles Davis catalog, the whole, <laughs> like as much of the Coltrane as I could get through, you know, or like, yeah. or like, uh, 
you know, and then same with any of the faculty is like, we would just, all those CDs, we'd either buy them at the local store, or we would try and pick them up somewhere um, and listen to them. And I had no idea who I was listening to at the time. Mm. I remember just being like, this stuff's really cool. And there's people that, you know, there were, there were uh, artists that I really enjoyed, but I, I don't think I really understood in like, like just all the connections. And it's crazy because mm. as I, as I'm, you know, as I matured through school and as I, you know, became an adult, I kind of realized like, wow, like this guy worked with the guy from the other school and he, they both mm. work with this guy. Like oh, just kind of yeah. see it, all those connections. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's another form of, of like community that you see in music. Like I, I when I was in high school, uh, I used to really love punk rock. Like that mm. was a huge thing to me. And it was so interesting to talk about with people like, all the records and how they connect to each other. And I remember like going to like my, like a, a jazz camp or something, a mm. workshop and like seeing people do that, talking about jazz and realizing like how, how much there was to talk about, so, yeah. you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and just oh, be yeah. like, man, like this is crazy. Like I wanna check all this out. Yeah. You know? And I think that that kind of opens some doors. And I think in the same way, like in high school, there's definitely like the introduction to hip hop for me probably occurred somewhere in there you know mm. uh but i definitely feel like yeah just that same idea of like going like one of the norms with me and my friends or you know whoever i was dating at the time was like i'm going to the record store like we're gonna go and find some stuff in the used bin yeah like we're gonna go and find some stuff and like you know i worked at a job where like all the money i had just went to buying cds like <laughs> like you know and I, I i still have them all you know there's like mm. there's just like a wall of cds nice. you know in a few places and i think that like just really trying to like explore stuff and see what I connected with and what I didn't. And it's funny, sometimes yeah. I'd listen to something the first time and be like, this is boring, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. And then I'm hanging out with my friends, they're like, dude, did you check out the record? I was like, yeah. And, and then they kind of guided me through a listen one time. They're like, mm. dude, do you hear what the drummer did there? Did you check out like that solo or like what happened yeah. with this thing? And I started to realize like, dang, there's a, like, there's a lot going on here, you yeah. know? And I think the more I got into playing and the more I, I was interested in improv improvising because that really wasn't even the first thing when I got in college like um I, w I was interested in Foley actually mm. it was like the first thing I was into oh really and sound then, effects yeah man I wanted I wanted to make some sound effects for some stuff and then I met a couple of friends that were composers and I was like that seems super dope there's a thing in your head you write it down <laughs> or you play it and, and like and it's in a movie like I yeah. love movies I love scores I love the idea that you can play this chord and it gives a meaning mm. and one of my good friends uh he had synesthesia and i remember like he could the whole like his thing was he would see colors the colors that's I, you know, right yeah and like i forget if it was for him how exactly it worked but he told me that when he would practice like growing up like like he didn't have a lot of toys or anything but they had this piano and he told me that like playing the piano uh was like like uh playing with blocks and so like he'd think of the chords and stuff like he was just playing with toys. So he'd make huh. these compositions. And like, I remember by, like, he, he definitely like, he showed me Stravinsky. He showed me like Holst. He showed me a lot of like the, the heavier, like classical stuff. Mm. And then he was kicking everybody's ass and he was a freshman. Like he, he <laughs> I remember he just like did all this stuff. And, and he, I, I, by the time I transferred, I came back to visit and he was like getting stuff read by a symphony. And like, wow. I was like, man, this is amazing. It was super inspiring. Yeah. And uh, and it definitely made, he made me think about music different. And, and you know, one of my friends who was writing a rock opera, like we're, you know, super close to this day. And like, same thing, shout out Christian. But like, uh, but, you know, it's just like these kinds of things where everybody introduces you to something. And, and for me, it always felt very eclectic. Like, I don't think I really understood where or what I would do with this information, but I loved all of it. I love <laughs> learning about like, 
like uh, Gamelon, you know, or, or like, uh, or I, it was cool to learn about Stravinsky and it was cool to learn about Miles Davis. And I was like, and at the same time, I was still going to punk rock shows and I had bought the whole Roots catalog because I was homesick and I like wasn't in, in mm, Philly. So like yeah. I started to kind of, all these things were jumbled around in my brain for a long time. And, um, you know, I transferred schools. I ended up going somewhere closer to where I grew up. And it was super cool because that school was also very open and you could kind of do what you wanted. And mm. at the same time, like outside of school, uh, the band I was playing in was like doing prog rock. We were doing all this stuff. And then it kind of, we kind of called it quits. And I started doing the Craigslist hunt and I was like, man, I need to meet bands. And I just remember like going and sitting in at these places. And I met these guys that were kind of like, there was a hip hop influence, there was a rock influence and, and you know, and it had this sound. And I was like, man, this is pretty cool stuff. Like I would be down to do this. And I remember like I signed up to do an audition, had to drive into the city. And um, I was the last one, I was super late. I used to get lost all the time. I, and even in the era of the GPS, I never, like before the phone could do it, uh -huh. I still wouldn't <laughs> use, like I never owned one and I would never use one. I would print out directions or I had an atlas and I would oh, like yeah. go and just like <laughs> yeah. try to figure it out. So I get, oh man, I got lost on the way to the studio and I'm like super stressed out, but like I wrote down, I like transcribed their songs. I was like, I wanna make sure and I learned the live version and I learned the record wow, version. Yeah. I was just like, man, I wanna make sure that like, I could get this job, maybe, you know? Yeah. And uh, and sure enough, like I played the thing and everybody was like real cool that day. And then a couple of days later, they called me back and like, hey man, like you wanna join the band? And, and that, that group was called Grind City. And it was cool because they they were all like maybe 10, 15 years older than me. I was like 21 mm. at the time, 22. Mm -hmm. And they were all, I wanna say like mid thirties and y'all can call me out if you hear this every and, and tell me <laughs> I'm saying this stuff wrong. I just envision everybody hearing this. Um, <laughs> but man, it was, so, it was so fun. And like there was rapper, there was a singer, guitar player, everybody had these amazing stories, drummer uh, and myself. And it was mm. cool because there was a lot of like, um, there was like cultural stuff that we learned about. Like, I think that was the first time I played in a band where like there was a lot of influence of black music and black culture and mm. just like learning and respecting and understanding heritage. Yeah. I think that that was probably one of the first times I experienced that. Same with like, uh, I think what was fun too is like we were both trying to learn more about, um, you know, I'm thinking about uh, J.O. And, and Damon and Gab, like they were like show, they were like getting into Slayer and I was like getting into like Jay-Z, you know, and I was like asking them <laughs> questions about, you know, we were like trading records, like constantly just uh -huh. like, have you heard this? Have you heard this? And it was funny because for them, they had kind of like been there, done that with a lot of things I'd never heard before. They're like, yeah, I'm mm. bored with this. I want to explore something else. Yeah. Um, so it was cool because there was a lot of ideas. There's a lot of getting to meet people, getting to kind of see things, a lot of crazy stories, but like, um, but definitely I feel like they told me a lot about like the golden, like what I would equate to like one of the golden eras in Philly of like the OOs of like when, you know, Questlove's having house parties and like John Legend is like going and sitting in somewhere and yeah. like, you know, and and you'd hear these these stories, but I was I was way too young for, to, you know, to be a part of that. Sure, yeah. But they would tell me these things and occasionally you know, meet one of these people or you'd see something going on. Um, you know, and I always enjoyed that. And, and then I started working, uh, first rapper I ever worked with, I think his name was, Voss and uh, Mike Voss was his real name, mm. and he, uh, man, he won like a BET Rap Battle Hall of Fame, and like, uh, oh, and wow. he worked super hard. And I, I got, mm. I, I got to meet a few people through him in some kind of silly ways, but, um, but yeah, it was really fun. And that was the first time I ever like built a show for somebody, and was trying to oh, like wow. figure out like how can we replicate these samples like with a live band. Yeah. Um, you know, at that point, I think I'd been using Ableton for a little bit and I was trying to figure out like, 
can we use loops? Can we run headphones? And like, mm. we had a really janky rig to do it. <laughs> like really, really unreliable, super <laughs> weird. But like, but we were able to at least like play with a loop and like do some mm. stuff and it was super fun. Like, and um, somewhere after that, I, I, I moved, I tra- you know, I didn't transfer anymore. I graduated my undergrad and I moved down here to UNT. Mm. Um, and around that time was kind of where, you know, my bass teacher, uh, Peter Paulson at uh, Westchester, he sat me down. He's like, hey, man, like, you got to check out these guys. And one of my friends had told me it was like normal up there. If you're in Philly to like kind of moonlight in New York, like it's only like 120 miles, 108 miles, depending on where you're at. So it's so crazy. Yeah. You know, so it's like, okay, cool. (laughs) Like, so you I would go to New York on like Thursday night and then come home at 4 a.m. And I had an 8 a.m. music history class or whatever, you know. And I remember me and my one friend, we, uh, Ryan, we both were doing the same thing. We both mm. were like tired all the time. And I, remember, <laughs> I remember him telling me, he was like, dude, I just saw this taping uh, of, of this band, Snarky Puppy, you should check them out. Oh, and I was, yeah, like, yeah. I was like, huh, okay. And like, uh, and that's, I, I wrote it in a journal, you know, but I didn't do anything about it. Yeah. And then my teacher's like, man. Interesting if, name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like I wrote it down. <laughs> My teacher like sat me down before I left and he's like, hey, you need you need to watch this like before you mm, leave. Yeah. And he sat me down and he showed me Thing of Gold. Oh, yeah. And it's funny, my buddy Ryan, he, he is the <laughs> thumbnail like from the from the, oh, yeah. the thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so that kind of messed me up at first. He's like, yeah, like he, like he pointed that out and he showed me the, uh, you know, Sean Martin taking the solo and, you know, Sput killing this and like in the whole band, you know, just doing mm. amazing stuff. But just kind of realizing that, wow, like that's amazing. And that came from like Texas, you know what I mean? Mm. And and, uh, and so when I came when I came down to UNT, like that was kind of one of the first things was like, even though I was studying classical composition, I always was playing jazz outside of the program. I mm. always was trying to get more involved with it. Um, you know, and and um, and I always loved fusion. I was always kind of involved in these kind of like fusion based things. So you never had like this genre that was like, that's my lane. It was like, no, I want a full understanding. <laughs> Full everything. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, maybe maybe that's that's some ego speaking in my in my mind of like I just want to be able to understand the thing. Like you know, I want to be able to play. I want to be able to join in. Like I want to yeah. be able to be involved. Well, and, I think that's the communicator in you. you yeah. Because I mean, that's what it, that's what it is in me. Where it's like I, I think I'd be down to like try to jump into a circle, but like I'm always gonna have the hesitance, not because of like some self awareness. Yeah, sure. But also I just like, I, I, I want to just, I want a signal. I want someone to, to riff off of and tell me how I'm doing. And then I can understand who I am and then move on. I just think that's, that's a big deal. Like to yeah. be, being able to communicate and then be able to understand someone else's communication is just, you can't look past that. I mean, that's, that's how you explain yourself. And then musically, I mean, that there are no words. I mean, there can be words, but in talking instrument to instrument, I mean, that's like, you just have to understand and have a communique like, you know, in different fashions and respect, you know, and parameters when you're doing that together or whatever. But I think the the desire to, you know, want to do it is just like, that's the biggest part. That's <laughs> like, especially in improv, because like, yeah, it's, it is, it does feel intimidating to try and like, just come up with something. But like, the more you practice that, the more you're just kind of channeling, you, you're staying inside the parameters that you've learned, but now you're just channeling these things that, you know, navigate and snake through it in ways that like it's hard for you to almost like calculate in the in the in the moment because you're just so you're just becoming you have become you know music you know it's just so invigorating (laughs) absolutely i think i think it's really cool to see like how you know how music influences different people and like learning about people's favorite records and stuff Mm. and like um 
man, yeah, it's just you learn you learn things about people by yeah. the music that they show you or the music that they talk about yeah. and like or when they know something that like, oh, that doesn't get brought up all the time. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a deep cut. Yeah. Like what do you mean by yeah. like what you know, <laughs> what do you mean by this thing or like yeah, man, and like um you know, and I I think like when I when I moved here, there was so much music I didn't know about. There was things where like I might have mm. known adjacently about this or I knew about this, but I didn't know about all this other music. Yeah. And I think like, um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Like when I if I like dig into that, just thinking about like I, I think JT and Bobby Sparks, uh, Jason Thomas and Bobby Sparks, they're probably mm. the first two Dallas guys that I uh, recognized the sound of how they played because yeah. I, I grew up listening to. Uh, <laughs> that Marcus Miller, that 08, I think it's just called Marcus, and they're maybe 07 or 06 actually. Mm. Um, but they, but they like, uh, yeah, they're playing on that record, you know. Mm. And, and the pocket, <laughs> the pocket is super serious, you know. Uh, and I don't know, just kind of realizing that. And then, um, oh man, what was I? Where was I going with this? I don't know. When I when I moved here, like, I'd heard about Snarky Puppy. I wanted to go check them out. Yeah, uh, I loved the show. Stayed after. I met Mike and. Nice. Um, and I kept talking to him. I was like, man, y'all started a sound here. And he's like, no, we didn't start a sound here. He's like, this sound is from Dallas. And he's like, if you mm. wanted to learn more about this sound, because I kind of mentioned like there's a lot of bands in Denton that were all emulating the sound. You yeah. Know? And he's like, no, 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 man. Like, if you want to hear like the origins of the stuff, you need to go to Dallas. And, and he told me the three places to go out. He, th- he told me to check out um, RC and the Grits on Wednesdays at Profit Bar. Oh, he told yeah. me to check out Tuesdays at... Uh, Oh man, at Sandaga, there was a jazz jam that Saan Grasa was running at the time. Mm. Um, and then he told me to come out on Sundays to Zubar to see the Funky Knuckles. Oh yeah. Yeah, and the Funky Knuckles had just, um, just you know, they had opened that show. I was late for whatever reason, I was riding my bike there, I don't know what I was doing, but I, I missed them. Mm. And after the show, like Mike introduced me to Wes uh, Stevenson, the bass player and uh, one of the writers in the band and co-founder, um, he, changed my life like that was that was kind of crazy like um meeting Wes and those guys like I after that it was like religion to me of every week I went to the zoo bar and I watched them play Mm. and like um the experience got you hooked (laughs) yeah man it was so cool and like hearing you know Caleb McCampbell and like Frank Mocha was playing in that band at the time as well as said more on drums Ben um on saxophone I already said Wes Stevenson um and Evan Weiss like just hearing those guys play like mm. it was, it was amazing, you know, and and just hearing all the ideas, the kinds of music. I remember they, one one week they played uh, the Sesame Street, the one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, seven, yeah. eight, nine, ten, <laughs> eleven, twelve. I didn't know what it was. But I was like, man, this is so jamming. They're like, you haven't heard the Sesame Street Herbie song, you know? And like they showed me this thing. I was like, this is crazy. Like, this is the shit. What is <laughs> man? What? Who brought this? Who, who thought of this? Oh man. And the, and, <laughs> You know, and I had heard I'd heard of Glasper. I had I bought Double mm. Book. That was probably the first thing I had gotten into from mm. from him. And I so it was funny. Yeah. There was some stuff like like Butterfly, where like I knew that, but I didn't know the Herbie version of the song. Right? Oh, there's right. some stuff where I was kind of I kind of learned it backwards. And yeah. um, he's crazy, man. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, um, him and Chris Daves and and Derek Hodge, they're nuts. Hero for sure, man. All Ooh. three of them, but like, man, yeah, Derek, man, I, I, Derek Hodge. I don't know him at all, but I admire him so much, and I think that he 
just all the things that he can do from like working with the symphony orchestra to like keeping time while the wildest things are happening around him to yeah. his own <laughs> solo releases. Like yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty, and, and the fact that he can also go on tour with like Maxwell and like make that stuff sound killing. Like, oh yeah. Like he, like that, that dude, I just thought like, you could just plug and play. Like <laughs> he could just do anything. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, yeah. And, and, and I, and I think that like, um, think people forget sometimes like how much work goes into that and it's mm. insane of like to be able to do all those different <laughs> oh, things like that's yeah you know that's a lifetime of, of stuff yeah. you know well, and, it's like uh, glassford says all the time that he always wanted when he decided to be a musician like he loved hip-hop and wanted to do that but yeah. he wanted the foundations in jazz so that no one could say that oh you're the hip-hop guy that went to jazz he's like no, no no i don't want you to doubt me yeah it's like when i pivot it's gonna be hard you know i'm gonna yeah. do it right and then you he did, man. <laughs> I, I would agree 100%. And I, and I think you're hitting the nail on the head of like knowing the heritage, being able to play mm. that, you know, and, I, and um, man, it's 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 really inspiring to see that with with a lot of, a lot of musicians, you know, that you've mentioned and, and the people around town here of like, yeah, where like they can sound like Oscar Peterson, they can sound like you know, Bill, Bill Evans, you know, or they can sound like McCoy Tyner, mm. you know, and then at the same time, it's like they have all this language that they've learned from either church or other experiences, you know, and they can stretch and they can and and they have their own sounds that they've developed. And I think that's something I try to remind myself both in my production and in, in my playing is that like that's a lifetime of exploration. Like this mm. idea that I had today, yeah. like needs to manifest and grow across my lifetime. Mm. And as I work on that, like whether that's like a some you know musical language or a concept when I'm making a beat or yeah. whatever it is, like that will continue to grow and develop as long as I keep feeding it. Right. And it's whether if it's the action or the the thought. Yeah, yeah. man. I, I remember uh, the first time the first time I saw the Nuxus Zoo Bar, they let me sit in and um, <laughs> man, and I didn't know any standards. I didn't know any of these songs, and and um, I forget what what we played first, but there was two songs we played. Oh, oh, it was uh, Red Clay, and it's got that iconic. Mm. And like, there's a tribe called Quest song that uses this. And so it's interesting because I had heard it, I mm -hmm. learned that, and I probably learned it off the Tribe Called Quest record, to be honest. <laughs> and so I didn't know there's a B section. I don't know there's like solo section, different chords. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, this changes. <laughs> yes. So I'm playing the, the, the first idea. And uh, everybody else was playing the second idea, and I had no idea what's going on. And Kay was looking at me, and being like, "Hey, man, like, we're not doing that. Like, we're, we're, you know." And he's trying to tell me the chords, but it's loud, and he's saying like C, G, D, like, and I can't really tell. Oh yeah, what yeah. the the mm -hmm. the words were. And then uh, Frank Mocha's next to me, and he's looking at me, and he's doing the same thing. He's like trying to yell chord names at me, and he's kind of laughing at me because eventually I, I play something, but it's not bright. You know what I mean? It's like mm, no, kind of. It's yeah. like it's like very rounded, you know, like, uh -huh. like when you see that thing where it's like, here's the Mona Lisa, and like this is like a stick figure <laughs> thing, like something like you along. You tell that's a face, yeah, 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 yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, and, man, and I, uh, yeah, and so so I felt like super embarrassed, but they're like, oh, let's play one more, and I was like, all right, cool, and we played uh, the chicken, which is like super straightforward song mm. if you know it. But I only knew, once again, I only knew the main riff. I didn't actually mm. know like the song or the form. Yeah. And there's chords. There's like different chords, and so. Ben, the saxophone player, he's watching me fold and he's looking at me. He's like eye contact with me and he's sitting across the room and he's got uh, he's, he, there's a girl around his arm. And uh, 
and he uh, is giving me numbers, right? And numbers is even a new thing. Like I remember I had, I met somebody that uh, one of my friend's moms like did Nashville notation. And I remember mm. like it was a thing, but like if you said like one and four, like I'd, I'd have to think, you know, like I couldn't do that at that point. Mm. And so he he's doing this stuff and there's a point where the song goes to six, but he's got his hand around the girl so all I see is five. five. <laughs> so, so I'm just playing the wrong stuff, you know? And like, it is super embarrassing. I fall and, you know, and I told uh, the saxophonist Ben, I was like, man, like, I really don't know these, this song. He's like, well, you're never gonna forget it. You know, uh, and he's right, I never uh, did. Like, and I went home and practiced the, the snot out. I but, mean, that, that's true, man. I mean, that there's testament to that, to like showing up and it, it, yeah, they're letting you sit in and like, we're yeah. gonna try this number or it's this to that and that. And maybe you're like, you're just wonky today or like you don't know it or like whatever yeah and like, that does stick with you it's like kids you know like you know like the idea of like your your waking brain is actually doing damage to your brain while your sleeping brain is like healing it and and carrying on the thought yeah like while you're like inactive but still active mentally or whatever i just think about that so much that like when it comes to music like yeah, man, that's why those moments, like, they honestly feed me a lot. And, like, I, I have lost, like, I'm an outside sales rep, too, just so you know. So, okay. So, I, I don't mind being in front of a stranger. I don't mind being embarrassed, really. Yeah. I'm just in, in I'm seeking the truth. I'm seeking reality and creating something, right? Yeah. And, and fellowship. Like, that's the main thing. Like, that's all the general themes of me. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there, there's such an earnest, like, honest, like, moment to yourself where, you're like, I couldn't do that. But I really respect those people. And they told me that and like it was either met with grace or like, you know, brutal truth. Doesn't matter. I've been clued in. I've been queued up, you know, to to, to either act or, or fold, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just love that because I just feel like when you're asleep, that that thing just keeps, you know, keeps on. And even if you practice when you got home, you're like, well, I just want to at least figure out that B section so I know at least what's happening. You know? Yeah. You go to sleep, you wake up next morning, you're a little list. You're, you might be a little more at ease to approach it. You know, you're not just going to think like, oh, man, they just. They ripped me apart. You're like, well, it's time to focus <laughs> up, you know? And it's like, let's do it, you know? I, I mean, 100%. And like like you said that the, uh, forgive me for, for poorly rewording, but like the like the idea of like they give you the grace or they give you the, the bluntness. Mm. And I, I think something that's, sometimes I argue to say that it's like a northern thing, southern thing, but I, I, th I think that there's more to it than that. But like the idea of like at home, like in Philly, like I remember sitting in somewhere and people telling me, like, you don't know this song, you don't know this, like get off the stage. Mm, like like that level yeah. of bluntness. Whereas like Phil Alleny at that thing after I folded, like mm. he was like, hey man, like keep coming back. Like you sound great. Like keep keep mm. up the good work. And 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 it, and it like and everybody gave me positive encouragement to continue to, to continue. work. Yeah. You know, and that for me at least, that's what I needed. Mm. And like and well, I was that's what a practice is. Yeah. I mean, they're all practicing. Yeah. Even those guys, they're still practicing. Yeah, they're working stuff out in real time. Yeah, like, yeah. 100%. And, and so, like, that's what they're they're owning in that moment. And so they're like, I, I, see, I see me and you. I know exactly where you are. Yeah. And where I have been, you know. And those other people, they're just checking off a checklist. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gatekeepers. 100%. And, and I think that, like, yeah, I, I think I kind of fell into that community of support here, which really I'm extremely grateful for. Yeah. And, like... You know, has completely changed the way I play, the way I listen, what I've listened to, yeah. what I've practiced. Like, and and uh, and I would argue to say, like, the trajectory of my life. Like, I've stayed mm. here way longer than I thought I would have. If you, oh, yeah. you know, if you found me back in 2012 and was like, "How long are you gonna live in Texas?" I would be like, five years, blah blah." You know, like, <laughs> like something like that. But it's like, man, no, like this is dope. And like, people sleep on how amazing 
the music scene is here, so, how amazing yeah. like this is as a city. And I feel like folks like yourself, one of the things that warms my heart is documentation mm. about these experiences. Yeah. I, I love lore. That's like one of my favorite things mm. like on gigs, like hearing stories about musicians or hearing stories about gigs or hearing stories about experiences. Yeah. And there's so much here and there's such a depth and a history. Oh, yeah. And like more than I, I know more than I know about it. And mm. it's like, and it's crazy to realize that like, wow, like this is all here. And some of the stuff like goes totally undocumented, oh, you know, or, yeah. or, or, or very late in yeah. someone's life. Are they finally like getting records done? Are they finally getting to like share stuff? And yeah. I think that's such a huge thing. And, um, you know, and I think that's really important for like the whole, you know, I would, you know, Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex even, not yeah. just Dallas. Oh, it's a whole ecosystem of yeah. music. And, and the more plugged in you get, the more aware of these people that are also working in that manner are aware of you, you know, and it yeah. just, it's very, yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those things. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've seen it just, just in this show and just networking and trying to, uh, like what you said, capture certain people's moments, give them a platform to talk about their work and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but just highlight, you know, it's like just just to, to, to reach out to people and for them to, you know, get the light on them, but then for them to just shine it right back. It's just, it's, it's such a communal thing. Like, it's just, I don't know, like what you just said, it, it keeps me coming back. Like, it, I think I'm curious enough to want to keep it up, but my God, it's, it's a different type of fuel. It's like, yeah. it's like maybe my own thoughts are like unleaded, but like when, when the, the homies or, or, or a fellowship that I lean on or a mentor or whatever here is going to actually give me something to chew on or like advice, real, you know, really something worthwhile. Yeah. That's like super, you know, super unleaded plus <laughs> <laughs> like whatever, you know, it's just, it's just better, man. It's just, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I think that first year of COVID really like firmed that up in my head where I was like, man, like I really want to uh, figure out my influences and like, uh, who's keeping me motivated what's keeping me motivated all these things you know and that's how the show came to be honestly and uh and like man that's just when, you, when you're in that world musically with other musicians um it's just beautiful especially when you love music like just like in a general way yeah and then you can talk it you can critique it just like in an open manner like yeah. not in like what you're saying like you know like eh, that's not this that's this yeah you know, you know it's like no it's not necessarily that it's just more you're just happy to, to, to be able, you know, yeah. like, and I be able to teach, to be able to play, to be able to learn. doesn't matter. I'm just happy to be able. And like, man, I, I just, I love that so much about that's the majority of what I've encountered, you know, down here. Um, and I know I interview people from like all over the world or whatever, but like, man, Dallas is like, this is beautiful, man. I, yeah. I, I, and I know DFW. Yeah. But like, I, I live and like work down here. Like, and this is just like, I love it, man. That's I mean, it's got crazy moments. Every city's got some crazy stuff going on. But like, man, there's just something always happening musically, man. You, it doesn't matter if it's a, a big name at AAC, a big name at the factory, the local legends, you know, and the in their residencies or or popping up, man. There's just there's something going on all the time, man. And it's just yeah, can't. I mean, I, I love it, man. <laughs> nah, same, man. Uh, I it's. It's alluring and um, and it definitely like feeds. I don't know. There, like, there's so many. There's this one time. Uh, there's a young drummer. His name's uh, Adarian Roberts, and he's fantastic. And mm. he, uh, this is like a few years into living here. Um, I remember he he had like a, a he had like a shed session kind of thing. And we were all there was a bunch of people there. We we're all playing with him, and um, <laughs> and. Um, 
afterwards we all went out to eat somewhere mm. and uh there's this one musician um Tehran Lockett's his name is drummer and and he uh he didn't play at the jam session at least not while I was there he was just kind of hanging out mm. and afterwards we we're all sitting and we we're all hanging out and chilling and uh <laughs> I have this memory of uh it seemed like everybody's like very joyous and he was like very contemplative like this, this is how mm. at least I recall uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of like Quinn Gray was there Jackie Woodmill was there um Man, uh, I want to say KJ was there. There was a, and there's a handful of other people. My mind is kind of run blank, but I remember that the way I recall it is that he just was like kind of like contemplative, and then he just kind of out of nowhere, like I don't know that he like hit the table, but he just was like, "What are you all doing for the next generation of musicians?" Like was like was like the he just out of nowhere, Blunt. you know. And we're all just kind Blunt. of like chilling. We're like, "Whoa!" Like, hey, <laughs> you know. And I, and at the time, I'm like twenty something, six, seven, like. I remember being like, man, I'm like just getting like I just feel like my feet are like on the ground of like I can do things, you know, I can play a gig and there's yeah. some things where I can like, you know, maybe I could do something that I've been trying to do for any amount of time, you know, like <laughs> yeah. like that was kind of my feeling. I was like, my first thought was like, whoa, what? And then and then he said that and then I just started thinking about it, be like, dang, he's kind of right. He's like a hundred percent right. Like huh. there are younger musicians and there's mm. going to continue to be more. And so right. that idea of like, how do you? give back to the community and what does that mm. look like? And like, yeah. how do you, um, wow. you know, yeah, how do you support others? And I think that that comes in a myriad of ways, whether like playing with people at jam sessions, hosting jam sessions, um, shedding with people one-on-one, -on -one, having conversations, like giving people your number and like, and like yeah. you know, or teaching or any of these things. Uh, yeah. You know. Um, Planting trees that you might not never see grow into a full, you know, never that might never provide you shade. Doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. And it yeah. you're not looking for the thanks. You're not looking for that in, in those experiences. You're looking to give back. And yeah. and it feel it might feel good to do that. But it, like I almost feel a bit more of a sense of like, man, how many people did that for me? Like when I yeah when I moved to Dallas, like I remember I, I made a phone call to like a lot of the Funky Knuckles guys, and I was just like, how do you practice? Like I like I, like I just straight <laughs> up said how, and I got some what's of like what do you practice, and I got some information of like. But I also did get some information like this is how long I practice. This mm. is some stuff because yeah, I just parameters wanted... and methods and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like and, and mind you, I know I've I've gone way down this rabbit hole with like with the <laughs> improvising, you know. Yeah. But like I just wanted to be able to do more of it because I felt like when I was writing, like the idea of extemporaneous, like here is my idea. I can either hear it in my head and write it down immediately, or I can hear it and play just it immediately. Channel, yeah. Like I want it. That's what I want. That's selfishly like one of the things I wanted from mm. it. And then and then along the way, I've realized how amazing the, you know, art form is of improvisation period mm. and, and, uh, and you know, jazz history and these things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they'd all kind of sewed into each other, but jumping back to this idea of giving back, like yeah. I just, I wanted, I, I, I want to be able to do that. And, and I think that, uh, yeah, it made me kind of make some different decisions. I started working with a, a group, they do spoken word poetry mm. and like social em emotional learning curriculums. Uh, they oh. have an organization called Journeyman Inc, which does something called Diverse Lounge. Uh, where they teach that like your voice has power, power to share the truth and speak their light, you know, and, and like uh, speak my truth, share my life, forgive me. But like this idea of like being able to express whatever it is that you're going through and mm. um, and seeing the different ways that they've utilized that in schools. Mm -hmm. Like, and then a lot of times it's like, I'm playing music to support that. Mm. And that feels really good to like do something where it's like the message, the whole thing is something that like I 100% want to be able to support yeah. and, and create that platform. And it's crazy to see you know uh change that occurs from those things like there's mm. um there was like a uh you know uh yeah there's stuff where like you'll see changes in school districts because they have programs now where students get to tell the teachers 
uh, hey, like this thing's not cool. Like, don't say that or I'm mm. not comfortable with this. And having students organize and ask things that they want to talk to the teachers about or that they that they want to see changed. And I, I remember in one district hearing a story like there was a mu Muslim population at the school and mm -hmm. they didn't have a place to pray. And like oh, after wow. doing this, it's like they now have the ability to have a place to be able to do that. You know, mm. and I think like. I think that those sorts of things, like being able to, once again, it comes back to community and communication, right? It's like, yeah. and that connectivity, I think allows for people to feel heard. Yeah. And whether that's like with your mouth or like through an instrument, like I, I think for me, a lot of exploration has come from wanting to learn how to be expressive on my instrument and what could I say with my instrument or what could I say with the music? And I think that, um, yeah, I don't know, just being in places where that's something, I think, I think that, almost as like a direct link of like when I when I encountered that through someone I was dating, they were playing in the band and mm. and it really made me think about like, wow, this like feels so fulfilling in a way that like some work that I've done in the past, like one of my friends, Wes Case, he says this thing of like feeling like a convoluted alcohol salesman, you know, and, it, <laughs> and like just the idea of like not to say and not to say I love the I love the venues that I play at and I support them wholly. Like that's why I play there. Sure. You know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you if you kind of go down that rabbit hole, you're like, well, what? Like, you know, and then I think about how many friends that I've had that like were alcoholics or have gone through these things or have mm. had drinking problems. And it's like, man, like I'm not saying I don't, I'm never going to play at a bar again. There's and there's places that I love the way they treat people and they, you know, encourage people to drink responsibly X, Y and Z. But like but at the same way, it's like, do I feel as fulfilled? When, like doing that as when I play a performance that has a purpose or when I play a performance that has a message with it or mm. if I play a performance that has like um, you know, a personal meaning of like, man, yeah. we worked out this show and we're going to, this is a concert. Like this isn't yeah. a gig. This is a performance. Yeah, like, it's a full on show. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I think that each of those has power and like, man, there was a time I was playing seven nights a week, like very just before pandemic that was the vibe mm. we were on, i was on the road with rc and the grits when the pandemic started oh really yeah and it was crazy like all of us lost all this work on this one ride like everything got weird we were in charlotte north carolina going to atlanta georgia and like everything got weird on that ride like everybody's <laughs> stuff got canceled i lost, you know and um and we were all and the cool thing about it i think one of the silver linings is like we were all there together mm. so we felt like comfortable and we kind of went through this whole you know insanity and like and into early pandemic mm. like um, I, I remember like still being, you know, I was like, well, I saw RC the whole time before this. Like, so, you know, we could, you know, let's keep working on, let's keep talking yeah, about yeah. things. And, you know, and same with, uh, you know, a lot of guys from the band, I think like, uh, and same with Cleon, we, uh, we were playing together a lot at that time. And I think that like, um, you know, as, as places start to started to reopen and as things were shifting, I kind of realized like, man, like if this happened, like if everything shuts down again, like. And there was that fun moment too. I, I think people forget sometimes of like those couple of weeks, months where it was like musicians and artists couldn't get unemployment, right? There was like, oh, the, there was yeah, that little, yeah. I don't remember how long it actually was, but I remember just being like, yo, what? Like, like so, <laughs> so, so it turned into like, fortunately, like a lot of the things I worked in, like they wanted to sli switch to virtual stuff. And, mm. and pre-pandemic, like I was making beats. I've been, you know, using Ableton for years. I was just starting to teach it. Um, and I, you know, I was using it a lot for live performances. I would do stuff like my beat set kind of things. I have my own solo show, Trusco, where like it would be a solo duo trio quartet with me playing bass, singing and like playing my push. Oh, and, nice. I, and I'd use like vocoders and harmonizers on it or I would like play ropes, you know, or like stuff mm, like that. So yeah. I was kind of, you know, I was kind of 
figuring that out and really kind of digging more into um, yeah, all these different sounds. Like I was really getting uh, deeper into like all the like like Chris Messina and like Bonnie Bear and like this whole mm. sound that they were creating with like that 22 million record. Oh yeah. And that simultaneously like very avant-garde. Yeah, yeah, man. A lot of a lot of exploration, you know. Yeah, oh, the Bon uh, is one of my favorites, man. And I I love every one of their albums. And I love the fact that they had this whole concept of like each album is a season. So like now yeah. it's like a full, it's completed. Yeah, I hope man. they do another one. Cause I- oh, same, 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 <laughs> definitely. Because me and my brother-in-law are huge fans. We, we actually reviewed uh, I, Comma, I for the show one time. Oh, dope. And uh, yeah, like I, I love doing that because I was like, I, because I, like I love reviewing albums because like I, I obsess, you know, and I would go deep in on one. But you know, I can find one like mutually between a friend and like, you want to go like track by track and I like have to like go track by track and like really look into each one. I'm like, oh, so-and-so is <laughs> on this. Or like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Like I, I just love that. But yeah, man, uh, I, the collaborative uh, uh, effort of Bonavir is just nuts. All the people they get involved. I mean, from like David Hornsby to Moses Sumney, and yeah. it's like it's just nuts, man. And uh, yeah, we 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 uh, we just saw them. Uh, they were just here. That was a great show. I was at that show oh, too. Oh yeah, the, man. man. The the was phenomenal. And Dijon was great too. You say that again. Dijon, the opener. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's great. I love his the the first album he just came out with. Right on. Super good. But yeah, man, that that show was excellent. Bonavir, phenomenal, man. I I saw that one and I saw part of the Twenty Two Million tour. I couldn't get a ticket, mm. um, but somebody was leaving and I was able to like they Just gave me their, nice. you know, you know, they gave me their ticket. I was like <laughs> nice, like wow, you know. I asked, you know. But, well, man, but, I, my favorite of theirs is still the self titled, the, mm. the second one. Okay, I, you know, I think there's a lot of memories wrapped up in sure. that one during that time period. Because um, I love Twenty Two Million and, and I Come High. Those are yeah. Those are definitely when he gets, you know, more complex and out there and whatever. But there's just something very, uh, it just feels very open and honest about those first two albums, you know? Yeah. Um, but the, I love the second one because it, he's eking in, or they are eking into that more <laughs> complex weirdness, you know? Yeah. But they're like, tip, they're like sticking their toe in, you know? There's like, we, there's subtle weirdness throughout, you know? Or like, why is that sax part like there, but like barely? I can, why can I only barely hear that? What yeah. Is, you know, just stuff like that. I love it, man. And that's why I, I felt so happy that because like I, I didn't I, this is the first time I saw them. Uh, but I felt so happy that I saw them when I did because it was for the 10 year anniversary of of the self-titled album. Yeah. And so, you know, they played the opener, some of the in-between and then the, the ender. And like, yeah, when he came back for the encore with uh, <laughs> Beth Rest, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is this is awesome, man. I didn't think I would ever see them perform this song. And for it to be like, you know, they come back on it's this big epic light show and stuff. I was like, oh, this is awesome, man. It's great. <laughs> hell of a show. Like they really did a good job of like everything about that on the technical side to the to the musical side to yeah. the experiential. Like that was really cool. And like, man, and yeah, and like just thinking about influences, like I think I always have been attracted to like things with voices. Mm. Like um there's a that was definitely a big influence. The uh Moses Sumney, huge influence too. Oh yeah. I love all the, you know, and, and, and I think for me, like with the Bonnie Vera stuff, it's funny, like I hosted a radio show with a friend uh, back in high school, or high school, in college. Hmm. And uh, we couldn't even say his na- name right. We're calling him Bon Ivory. Bon Ivory, yeah. yeah. we're like, this guy wrote this thing in the woods. Like we were just kind of laughing, <laughs> but we're like, dude, this is killing. Like it was on heavy rotation, we had to play it, but uh-huh. it was like, it's like out of the choices, like I'll take this one. Yeah. But I never dug in more than that sure. until like way later. And I knew mm. people would tell me like, yo, he's a great songwriter, but it really wasn't my bag. And then when it was more electronic, cause at the time, like, you know, it was either like kind of the fusion things, the hip hop stuff, like I mm. uh, and more on the experimental stuff, yeah. like definitely like 
Flying Lotus has always been a big influence. Mm, oh yeah. <laughs> I want to paint this picture. I, uh, when I was in school, somebody needed composition lessons and I was like, yeah, cool. Like that sounds awesome. I'll teach the student. And I went to his house and he wanted to learn how to make music like Flying Lotus. And I had never heard Flying Lotus. Oh yeah. And he hit the play button. I was like, holy cow. Like I was expecting him to be like, I don't know how to like, you know, can you show me how to play some chords? Yeah. Like, and I'm sitting there like, and it was something off that Los Angeles record. And I just remember it was like all the stuff with the hi-hats like being manipulated and moved. Mm. And I had heard of Dilla at the time, but I still hadn't really, and I'd probably owned, actually I know for a fact, I'd owned and heard things that he did, but I still didn't know who he was yet. Sure, yeah. So it's funny, it was like, that was probably the first time I was like, like, like I analyzed it and I was like, what is going on here? Like, your rhythmic brain was like, what? My, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I say all that just to, just to mention it, but like, but yeah, like these influences were all coming in and like I loved, um, yeah, stuff with voices. So like there's a group called Room Full of Teeth where it's like kind of experimental mm. music. Kanye actually sampled some of their stuff at mm. one point and like, man, just really exploratory stuff. Yeah. But then at the same time, like D'Angelo became like mm. when I moved here. I mean, I bought a bunch of records at the same time and I put them on, I fell asleep. And I, there was a Snarky Puppy record that was on. Uh, and I wanna say it might've been Family Dinner Volume One. Mm. And I fell asleep during it and I woke up in the middle of Spanish Joint on Voodoo and I heard this line on it and I was like, and then I heard a voice being like, go back to the top or something like that. And I remember being like, what is this? Like, it sounds like them, but it's not. And then I realized this is Voodoo. You know mm. what I mean? And just realizing and like, and over time realizing it's like, RH factor and how much connection and how much influence that had over mm. Snarky Puppy and and also that Roy Hargrove is on this on oh, booty, yeah, you know, that, yeah. like just seeing all these connections and realizing it. But that record became like like a bible to me of like feel, uh, production, vo mm. like vocal stacking. Like I spent, I cannot begin to tell you like. I just stopped and I'm probably going to start again because it because it was a grounding thing at one point. It was just like I need to do this every mm. day. But like for eight years, I listened to that record every day. And wow. like, and it wasn't like at the beginning it was like top to bottom. And then eventually it was like, man, I, I'm gonna, I cannot afford to be able to do this much. Like there were situations where I'd be at a gig and I would leave the gig and go sit outside and listen to the oh, record. Wow. Or like, wow. I would even like, we'd be in a conversation and I would put on a headphone and I would sit there and listen to the record. Cause I just felt like it was the only constant. You know what mm. I mean? Like with everything changing, it was like, that's a constant. I'm learning something every time I listen to this. Like mm. I feel like, and I still feel like I do every time, but like, Man, seeing his live show and, and uh, was amazing, and that definitely was life changing in, a, in another way of just like approach. And then, and mm. then as I've gone down the rabbit holes and 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 just you know, and and as I've spent more time with people like Sput and RC and um, and Sean, like just hearing stories, hearing things, um, and then watching every interview I could come up with <laughs> that I could find on the internet, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, really trying to to yeah, just to understand like how did this get made. Like there's so, and, and even in school, man, like I was writing about this stuff. That was the other mm. thing is like, I kind of realized in school that the things I wanted to do weren't going to be learned in school. It was like, mm. I want to go see the Nux every week. I want to go, like, I want to write about the music I care about. Like, yeah. and that's what I did anyway. Like, so I just huh. like voodoo is cited in my paper, you know what I mean? And like, <laughs> nice. and, and like uh, uh, going and seeing Cleon Edwards, like teach a drum clinic. Like I, mean, I wrote about that in a paper, mm. you know what I mean? And, and, and all that stuff, like. I don't usually talk about that kind of like the school thing because I don't really, you know, I, I, I feel very separate from it at this point. But mm. I think that like there was so much influence, uh, you know, just seeing all these people and hearing all this music. Yeah. And I don't know when I started working on my own things, I wanted I knew I wanted to triple stack things. I knew I wanted mm. I wanted really thick voicings. I knew I wanted certain kinds of chords. I knew yeah. I wanted certain kinds of things. And then it was exploring how to do that. 
Um, and it wasn't and making it your own too. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it wasn't until a friend got me into this like song a day for a month challenge. Like she showed me this website and she's like, you should check this out. And I started messing with it. And I realized like, like I just kept exploring ideas and I never really finished anything, but it was like, here's an idea, here's an idea. Sure, yeah. And then eventually I went back and, and was like, well, that's really cool. Well, what happens if I put that one with this one? Yeah. And what happens, if, and then I just kept writing off of the idea and eventually I had way too much material, but I was like, cool, let's like finish some of these songs. Yeah. And like some of my friends could tell you like, come that like, it took like three or four years to like feel like this works and hits in the way that I meant. Mm, you know, yeah. and, then, and then there's other stuff where it's like the purposes are different. Like there's music mm. where it's like this, has a fixed form, this has a fixed meaning, I want it to hit like this, and I want you to feel the drama that I intended when I wrote it, yeah. right? And then there's other things where it's like, I want this to be about the expression of the unit. I want this to mm. be about the expression of the band. Yeah. And like my favorite thing about all music has always been the energy. Like seeing a punk rock band, like, the f like I'm, I'm, I used to wonder, I was like, how could I do so many things in a day when I was in high school? I would like work out and I'd go practice and I'd do this and I'd go, you know, something with friends. And, yeah. and then I went back and listened to some music and it's just like, buk -a, buk -a, buk -a, like the whole time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, man, there's a lot of energy here. And, and like, and when I started, uh, you know, getting into like listening to African-American gospel music and playing some of it, like, I remember like one of my first thoughts, like it's the punk rock beat. Like that's, yeah, that's it's, like, yeah. like it's in there. Like the same, there's energy in there. And like, and then learning about the origins of these things and how it comes back to blues and like the phrasing. And then, and then just learning about like how three part harmony works at church and like mm. how song form works in church. Like all those things definitely influenced the way that I thought about stuff, how to make the most impactful movement, learning about subbing notes on bass that can tr completely change the meaning of the chord yeah. and the meaning of the moment. And like, and with all that in mind, it's like there are other there's other music that I wrote where like there's a more open playground where it's right. like we are improvising on this. And, yeah. I, and I think a lot of that, too, came from uh, seeing this Thundercat that 2015, the, the drunk tour. Uh -huh. Like I remember that show sold out, I think, at at, uh, at uh, Trees. And this was right after P to Pimple Butterfly came out. So like, yeah. he already I don't know if he won the Grammy yet. I think it was in March. So I, I, don't, I don't know if like. Mm. I don't know when the the timetable, but mm -hmm. all I know is that there's a lot of people at the show, and I just started asking everyone at the show. I was like, "How did you hear about this? Like, what what made you come to this show?" Because the thing is, when they played the songs, it's like I know the records, and I knew already that he was going to be, you know, stretching the songs, but everybody loved it. And I remember thinking, like, I feel like if I if I you know, or not I, but if one was to put on the same yeah. show, but be like Jazz Fusion Night, would not have the same draw. But because of the labeling, because of the branding, because of the aesthetics that went into the record, oh, yeah. people come there and they didn't know that they wanted to be along for that journey, but they yeah. are totally down to yeah. hear, you know. Well, especially uh, when you're thinking about someone like Thundercat that, uh, especially like on Drunk, where there's some pretty short numbers. Yeah. And so some of those people might be like, oh, I love that one groove. And then like, they expect it to be <laughs> a minute or two. And they're like, here's six to eight minutes or like even longer. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, here's the 12 minute yeah. Jazz Odyssey version of mm-hmm you yeah, know that you, yeah. or, or a tron song that you didn't know what she wanted and and for me it's like that's all that's yeah. one you know that was a huge thing but but i just kind of realized i was like man like what if you know i started structuring and thinking about that and 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 like what if there were things where it could work like that like we could have a super tight set that could blend better with this band but then there's another version of this that's like we could stretch this out or yeah. like more yeah. instrumental and yeah, almost like your opener or your 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 neighboring act 
they can kind of set you up differently. So if you get someone that's more strict and in, in, in their style and their crowd, then like we'll be more strict. But if it's way more improv linked, you know, long length, you know, whatever, yeah. they, they're just down for the ride. They're like, all right, yeah, let's do that. Just bring in a jam band, you know? <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent. And like it, um, I don't know that it became like a really cool vehicle for me to explore. I got to mm. do, you know, I did one hit out in um, LA at the blue whale before it closed. And mm. like, man, that was, that was awesome. My buddy Zephyr like made that whole thing happen. And I was super grateful. Um, and then, and then, you know, by March, 2020, it's mm. like everything's shutting down. And then when things are kind of opening up, I feel like this is at least how I feel about it. It's like there mm -hmm. were things opening and, and I would get hit by booking agents and stuff. They'd be like, Hey, like, can you play this place? I'm sitting here being like, yo, like, I feel like if I say no, like they'll tell me like, and, and it's like, they, they would always say like, totally cool if you don't want to do this. And, and no pressure or shade on them, but I just kind of had that thought of like, if I say no right now, I'm probably not going to get, not that they'll never call me again, but I'm probably not going to get called again for a long time. Mm. And all these residencies, all these things I was doing, it's like, I'm sure they're all going to go by the wayside. So you need to make these considerations of like, do I want to play? Some places were safer about it than others, sure. you know, and they had these yeah. different rules. But I kind of ended up in this situation where there's a few places where I was playing pretty regularly, a lot of days. And then um, and at the same time, I was like not doing my music a lot unless it was stream based because I just didn't want to encourage people to come out and potentially get sick. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I was like, I'm down to support somebody else. And I, I honestly want to create. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to create. It felt good. And I needed to pay my rent, too. You yeah, know, like yeah. there's there's these these serious considerations. So one of the things I started getting into was like, I was like, all right, well, I'll start doing my solo show again. and shout out to kevin butler was booking the um revelers hall at the time and he mm. would hit me up to do these solo sets and so i would play bass and i would have my ableton push and i would do like some of my originals and then i would work out arrangements for stuff and then this one day like there wasn't a lot of people coming in i think i was running late but it, or something was wrong with my rig but basically i couldn't play bass like mm. the bass was not working uh -huh. i was just playing push uh -huh. and he kind of uh which is like for people watching i probably should say this thing of like it's a 64 pad button matrix and it looks like a dj controller but I had it laid out in this mode where it's like playing an eight stringed, eight fretted bass. So all the oh. chords and scales and all the things that I know from playing bass, it's like if you took your hand from like facing you and like turned it flat towards the, yeah. the, the device and you can play all those same ideas. So I, I'd been using it for a little while in the studio because I figured out it was faster for me mm. than playing keys because I'm just not a good keyboard player, you know? Mm. Uh, but uh, bottom line is we were doing, I, my friend came in during this part of the show where I was just kind of improvising and I was using this thing and I ended up going on like a 15 or 20 minute tangent of just like making up beats on the fly, like mm. really quick. And he said to me, he's like, hey man, like you should consider like, just keep doing that. Like do that through the show. Mm. And I was like, I've done this before, I'll do it at home. But like, I always felt stress of like, I have to move quick enough, oh, uh, yeah, you yeah, know, or yeah, like, yeah. cause it, you know, and he, he said that and I was like, huh. So I experimented with it the rest of that day and it seemed to deliver well. And I kind of realized I was like, okay, if I can move at a certain rate and mm -hmm. if I kind of watch DJs, like I, I, um, we had, Grits had just done something with Soul in the Horn in uh, New York and I'd seen Natasha Diggs spin and then I was following her through pandemic. She was doing all these streams. And I was like, mm -hmm. just the, like her choices of like selections was awesome. And, 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 uh, and then like just the rate and how she chose to do the transitions she would always be co picking the coolest flips of stuff. Mm. And same with like watching uh, a J clip, DJ J clip in town as well. Yeah. I was just seeing these transitions. Cause I've never really DJed. I've only done 
production stuff. Yeah. You know, I've listened to DJs and I've listened to a lot of hip hop, but I've never really considered like these ways of, you know, combining these songs live. Yeah, you know, right for, now. You yeah, know, right for an spot. audience. Yeah. And, and I and I feel like I got a pretty good textbook of like how to do transitions from playing with the grits and like mm. seeing these things and realizing yeah. like you can fly off of the top of the dome like if you guide things in a certain way. And so I started thinking about that, started figuring out ways that I could apply some of the things I learned to playing by myself. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, and it started to let me move at least a little bit quicker and like maybe not m make it feel so boring or slow. Yeah. Um, and, and I started to figure out like, okay, here's ways that I can build excitement. Here's ideas that I can come up with. And there's a lot of things where I just was playing a whole show and 12 songs and they only existed in that moment. Mm, you know? yeah. And I think that that felt pretty cool. And then I started to realize that was kind of silly of, I should be documenting these, <laughs> you know, so that <laughs> so that someone could hear what I was doing, you know? Oh yeah, well, it's, it's the golden rule of like jamming out or, or whatever. And it's like, at least have one microphone in that room. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, like, like let's make sure that some, that, that I can at least figure out what that yeah, was and utilize it later, you like, know? <laughs> so, so I started doing more of that yeah. and and, um, and slowly it kind of evolved in this thing where I was doing that more. Um, mm. And it was interesting because it was still a time where it was like a lot of like a lot of my friends wouldn't even come out to play. Mm. So I was like, I get it. Like I'm, I would show up like there was a moment in time where I was showing up wearing one of the straight up gas masks to oh, the gig because yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to set the tone of like, just don't come near me. Mm. Like if you like, I'd love to talk to you a different time, but like this is not the time. Not right now. You know, so it, like, and you even if you did come up, you couldn't hear me. Like I didn't have a mic or anything, so you just couldn't really hear me. So there's a time where like I, you'd see me playing bass. There's pictures on the internet somewhere of like me wearing this like <laughs> 20 pound helmet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like. <laughs> so I just was trying to set you know set the tone but I'm doing these solo gigs and, and eventually like as things start to open back up again you know more and more um, you know I think RC had seen this or I had mentioned it to him as a concept that like if you ever need somebody to open like I'd be happy to do it it'd be cool to yeah. stretch and fortunately I think it was last summer he let me start doing that and, mm. and we did maybe like six or eight of those and I filmed a bunch of stuff from him and I kind of you know you nice. know, yeah yeah hey, man. um but yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, when it, when um, just just not to totally throw away what we were just talking oh, no, about, ahead. but uh, just because I, I just wanted to throw this out because like, you you're talking about re-listening to like an artist and like finding things, textures or like tones and stuff that just like oh wow, just it's now it's hitting me way different than it was. I was way more passive, I think, in trying yeah. to in my intake or whatever. But like yeah, like uh, Bonavir's first album was like that for me, the Farima Forever Ago. Like mm -hmm. so many people are like, oh, it's it's so great, and like yeah, Skinny Love. I knew like like yeah, that's catchy. I get it. Sure. Like, that's cool. And but it's just sad. Um, <laughs> but but for some reason, like yeah, I kind of like just just glazed over it. And then the, the their self title one, I loved it. And then when it came out, I went back to the other one, and then it was the self it was the title track for that, the Farima song. It's just that opening uh, horn part mm -hmm. and then the slide guitar that comes in right after it. i think it's a slide guitar i was like oh this is this is like this is like spiritual like, this is just a crazy moment like yeah yeah and that, that 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 got me more committed to them than like any other moment before that i was like yeah it's cool i like towers you know yeah death rest is cool it's a little, you know slow jam but i was like oh this is why i became a nerd you know so i was like i gotta yeah i gotta become a hyper observer now you know <laughs> yeah man I always love looking back because you kind of feel like you learn more about their story 
you know, or you learn mm. more of like the trajectory and you can kind of see the seeds of ideas sometimes. Yeah. It's like that was there before, but yeah. now it's more foreground and before it was more background or, yeah. or like, well, the concept was growing. Like, um, I don't, I don't claim to know the most about all of the records, but like, like Kendrick Lamar is a great example of like, mm. there's like words and, and, and um, there's lyrics and concepts that grow between the albums. Yeah. Um, uh, my buddy, uh, uh, Christopher Hill, he was just telling me about that with the lyrics that I hadn't caught. Mm. Um, but but like, you know, you can hear it in the production, like there's ideas and Terrace Martin's involved in, you know, several of the records back to back. So you can kind of mm. see where his influence grows. Um, yeah. But it's so interesting, like stuff like that. Same with uh, D'Angelo. One, I remember one of my friends telling me one time, uh, uh, Gabby, she told me she was like, yeah, she feels like she knows what is needed for a closing song on his records. Like she felt, mm. you know what I mean? She felt like she understood like what he needs to conclude a record. Hmm. You know what I mean? Or something. I thought that was really interesting. Um, oh, that's but interesting. Like, yeah, you know, like I, I love those those ideas and I love kind of seeing that. And same with like, I'm, I'm uh, definitely like on the on the songwriter side, side of stuff. Somebody I spent a lot of time with was Jeff Buckley. And just mm. like seeing like, like checking out like the Live at Shanae stuff and then listening to Grace and then listening to the sketches stuff. But just kind of seeing like, the trajectory of that checking out the live shows and yeah. seeing like how comfortable he got with like building energy mm. and how that could work how that worked when he was by himself how that worked with a yeah. band and like um yeah and also just like um sometimes it's maturity things i don't know in his case it was such a short amount of time but i feel like i feel like like you see someone be like going from like i'm going to play every note i can to i'm going to play what i should you know what i mean yeah like, oh yeah that's well, such a beautiful thing yeah yeah that's that's musical maturity <laughs> yeah definitely man and like and I, I love that like i love thinking that way when i'm playing like i remember playing one time in a hero a hero of mine was watching mm. and i remember i play i played different i played more reserved and i realized like i i felt like i had more to say and i kind of like guided myself in a certain way and i remember thinking like why don't i just pretend like that guy's in the room every time i play because I'm gonna play better, and and mm. and you do, and and say, jump back to community too, like, like you end up um, when you play with groups of people and you feel comfortable with each other, you can do things that you can't do by yourself. Oh, dude, there, you know there's there's so many like jams, like I, I used to have this buddy that he had a space and like I mic'd it all the way out. Like, oh, nice. Everybody was mic'd up. The drum kit had like five, six mics on. Like I, <laughs> I was gonna try and capture everything as best as we could. Yeah, and we got some good stuff out there. They're they're kind of out there so it was hit or miss sometimes but uh um coming together and 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 knowing there was a mic in the room yeah knowing there was 12 mics in the room or like whatever i guess it was like eight or ten but knowing that knowing that because it's kind of a bigger group knowing that it's not just like one or two guys that i have to like convince i know i'm doing but like four to five sometimes you know and then half of them i kind of didn't know too it was like i like this I like these parameters. Like that's why I added the mics. Like I had, I, I used to come with one mic <laughs> and we just record. Then I came with two so I could pan it, you know, get yeah. the drummer on the right side and at least get the guitars on the left side. Just at least that. Something, yeah. For, for the snob in me <laughs> to like, you know, clear up my, because sometimes I would hate to re-listen to some of that stuff. I'd be like, no, that was, I do not like that at all. So I, that's why I started to become obsessed with it. Like, let's at least get the quality down. So that part of my brain is satisfied. So I was working it that way. Yeah. And so the more I complicated on the, on the post end, on the back end, Mm-hmm. The, the the immediate the live version of me was like all right well future me is gonna be like watching all this so like i need to be like i need to remember that all this is being documented you know so, <laughs> and, and and i think their mentality about seeing the mics definitely hoisted that in my mind because i wasn't a, a, a 
and obviously I'm not afraid to like do anything from a microphone, but like they were like at first or yeah. like, yeah, I'm putting this in here. Like, Oh, does this mess up the mic? If I do that, I'm like, no, you're good. You're good. But there was awareness, you know, and this yeah. a different paradigm wasn't involved. And uh, we were fostering that idea though. Well, I was, I definitely was in my, yeah. in, internally and externally as much as I could. But that definitely like fed me in a different way of like, Oh, like expectation. And like, don't just like go nuts. Like make, no, make sure you know how to explain what you're doing. And when you re-listen to it, like you're not just gonna go back to the fretboard and like and just like noodle around until you find it again. It's like you should know that's like in like an A Dorian mode at least. Like yes. like something like that, you know, and you're like, okay. I know I was playing that for like at least two hours last night. So that's okay, it is that. There we are, there yeah. we are, you know. But you just have to build up those parameters of self respect, but also like a little healthy paranoia of like, ah, am I, do I know what I'm doing? <laughs> yeah, man, you said two things in there that, that I wanted to just reiterate of like the, one is like thinking about the future self. Mm. That's something I do all the time. I like, if I'm preparing for a gig or whatever, like I try to think about future meal, like I'm gonna be sleep deprived on Sunday at church. Let's make sure that I either, like I learned Let's this. keep it easy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> let, let me make sure that I either like, you know, commit this to memory or that I write something that's really clear that mm, when yeah. sleep deprived Robert is looking at this thing that I'm gonna know what I wrote down, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, or, or you know, it, anything, you know, with, with, with production work too. And like, yeah. and, the, and, and, and also that like, um, yeah, things really do change sometimes when you put the mic, like, and it takes getting comfortable with that. And, oh, yeah. I, and uh, it's interesting, like at home, I do a lot of my production work at the moment at, at like my home studio mm -hmm. and I kind of got hip to like hit the record button before we start, if you can, if it's something where you can do that. Oh yeah. Um, or even if they're listening back, record onto an extra track, just because sometimes someone does something really cool and they'll be like, yo, I can't remember what was that? And you can pull it up. Right. You know what I mean? And, oh yeah. You know, and sure, a lot of times you tape silence or something else, but like, holy cow, like there's a lot of times where I'm really glad that I did that because there was something that happened that was like not Oh, attention. Yeah. You know? I mean, some of those jams I was talking about. Yeah. There's little like ones that I've kept. Either it's a future thing or sometimes I like it how it is. It's live. kind Because yeah. I, I, I like I'm like kind of a psychedelic rock, blues and jazz kind of. Little, yeah. Those are the main things I tend to like lean into. You know, it's like if you give me a beat, it's like I'm going to fall into one of those. I don't know why. Just the reality. Got you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah, when I'm listening to, to it back and I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, we're just maybe it's a little further along and I'm like, man, we really got it together. And then I listened to like how it came to be. And like maybe the first minute, like I told them what we're going to be doing. And then maybe it's something I've been practicing a little bit more. And so while they're all kind of getting their stuff together or trying to figure out what they want to do, I'm just recording my, I mean, everything's recording. Yeah. I'm just doing this little, you know, pass over whatever I'm, I'm thinking that we're going to do. And like, yeah, th there's been a couple of them where I'm just like that little, like, Diddy you just did like I I, I right off the top of my head I know what it leads into yeah but I don't even know what that was what was that why did I do that and then I'm like yeah just weird shit you know like when you're like warming up and just trying to limber up and just like noodle before whatever <laughs> and I'm like I got like two or three minutes I'll just do whatever yeah and then like yeah I can go back to listen I'm like man add some reverb to that and like whoo and, it, and it's, it's amazing <laughs> you know yeah call it call it like yeah or, or even like the the drummer you know like do some like stupid little fill because he's like waiting for us to like be ready or whatever 100 percent. and they're like oh man it's like crank that attack up and like man that's yeah. whoo that's snappy like <laughs> dude so it, i think that i think a lot of times people get formal in front of the microphone mm, yeah and like and i think the point at least to me like in in one way of doing it, it's like sure in some cases like yes you want to 
we want this to feel larger than what it is when we do it live. Or sure. we want th- you know, maybe there's a different direction in some cases, but I think a lot of times it's like, you want to capture what naturally occurs. So sure. how do we get to that natural feeling? And those are those moments where like, people aren't thinking about, oh man, m- let me make sure I hit the bridge well, at the right time. It's almost or, like the difference between those people, it's almost between like faith and confidence. Like, Ooh, like some, yeah. of those, some of those people like that like to improv, I have a lot of faith that we can put this together and I'm gonna, give grace to this and we're going to interact and we're going to yeah. make something that's more alive. Right. But then something that that's the other side, it's just, you're just that or you're not, you know, and it's just way harder. And I, I just, yeah, I don't know. It is really that, that, that I've never put it that way, but that's a <laughs> faith versus confidence. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting duality. Like the, and it, and it, I feel like it requires some of both. Sure. Right. Like the one it's a little more than the other, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You know, oh. but yeah, but, it, but that's, that's just, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it, Cause that, that's what I loved about learning how to improv. And like right now, the, for the yeah. last year I've been making beats. I've been trying to, yeah. uh, trying to become better because of, uh, it wasn't just Mark Ronson. It was, uh, 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 he was making a comment about another DJ and I'm so pissed that I'm forgetting who this is, mm. but he, he, he had made a comment about this other DJ and then, because uh, I think he was talking to Questlove. I think it was when he was on Supreme. Yeah. And he just made a Love passing comment. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> and uh, his was his was good, too. I liked his, the the Fader, the one he did for the, the Fader magazine for a little bit. Oh, okay. I've I not checked that out. That's really to. good. He only did sure. it. Uh, it was like early pandemic days. He only did it for like four or five months sure. or something. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm sure they were calling him back to the studios real quick. But he, he got some great interviews in. Like, he yeah, talked man. to uh, Erica. Uh, he talked to uh, Kevin Parker. Mm-hmm. Um there's a, I mean, there's a bunch of different people. Those are just the two I've listened to kind of recently again. But uh, but he makes this passing comment about how, like, some of the best producers he's seen in the last, like, decade, they all, like, some of them started off as DJs. And, like, he's like, I wonder if there's, like, a different obsession for, like, consistency than, like, a different type of minded person that doesn't go that way, doesn't try to go that route. And I think it's maybe it's the same thing if you pair that up with imp- building up a brain for improvisation then you're doing the same thing in a way like you're yeah. you're you're live you're executing but you're self-aware you know and and i think if you can do that in the immediate then when you're planning stuff out then you're just a little more not bulletproof <laughs> but you're just like full, you're you're just a, a, you're aware you're aware at all times but you you have faith it's going to come together like it's like you're, you're self-confident but like you you can piece it all together definitely yeah. i feel like to something with DJs is like the way that they think about, like when you play, if you're playing an instrument in a band, like you're thinking about the whole, but mm-hmm. there are, there still is like a self responsibility of like, I better not play this note instead of this one. Or mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, Like sure. there's, to some degree, like in, and in the best of moments where you've completely let go of yourself, like you can feel like one unit, you know? Yeah. Uh, and building energy and changing things. Uh, but I feel like with a DJ, it's like it's great power great responsibility kind of thing of like you're mm. the one that's curating the thing so yeah. if you keep playing and that's why I, lo- I love watching like uh yeah i mentioned j club and like a natural high and, and and some of the people around here just seeing like how they choose to like where do they choose to go mm, or don't yeah. or like what is the vibe of what we're doing right now is there a band about to play mm. or is this the thing right or is or yeah. is it you know yeah is it a setup you tell yeah. a story what is this yeah and and same with like you know, you, yeah, the idea of like DJ DJs that be, that are producers and stuff, and I feel like I just was listening. I haven't finished it yet, but there's one with uh, Premier and um, CL Smooth um, mm. that I was listening to the other day, and like, yeah, just hearing about his approach. And then I just read the the Jay Dilla biography. Um, oh, Dilla time. 
Dill Time. Yeah. Uh, That's Dan a great book. Yeah, man. Super, super uh, eye-opening. There's a lot of things where I'd heard some of the stuff, and then there's mm-hmm. things where I, you know, I'd never heard. And I listened to an interview with him on broken record recently the oh nice yeah with rick rubin yeah man and that that's cool because i guess they cool you know have a heritage together but yeah um oh, i didn't know he was on there yeah, i need to check that one yeah, out. yeah it's re- it's real cool i just listened to the one uh i think it's relatively new the he interviews um robbie krieger and john dinsmore from I'm the not doors check, not check that out man, yeah. that's nuts it's their stories and they're like some of the people they're talking about just so like loosely they're like oh yeah i think he was doing you know just like nuts man just, yeah but well you know and talking about building confidence and like in the world of music like that that's a great that's a great episode to listen to i think for like new musicians to get a, mm. a, a perspective on like what early days of musicianship can like look like and you're like you know jim morrison was like the man and like so confident like he didn't even face the band when they practiced like you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and like robbie krieger had only been practicing guitar for six months when they met you know wow. period you know yeah you know and then like uh you know one thing in that podcast i didn't i didn't know and i don't want to spoil anything but like you know, they, they saw, they, they, they did the whole um, enlightenment meditation thing prior to the Beatles. Huh. They did it a year before the Beatles. And, and they, I think it was a couple of months before they actually became the Doors. Wow. Like it was mainly Dinsmore and Krieger were like real into this, like, like I want to be a musician, but I want like this like uh, uh, deeper uh, awareness of myself, you know, yeah. so I can express and just know who I am. And like, yeah, they all like went through that, or at least they those two did. And uh, they were just saying how like that really changed their trajectory for like how they handled uh, stresses in their musical life and taking the ego out of things. And then when they met Jim and like he was trying to like just be crazy, like they're they're saying honestly, it's like those early days of them being committed to those uh, like meditation and the different models of like how to be a musician or like how to be a human, whatever. Yeah. Like probably kept the doors going way longer than they would have ever if they never tried to like hone themselves in before you know being a servant to someone else you know or whatever that's just such a, they have such crazy stories that's that's such a cool episode it's, i love john dinsmore man i mean and krieger krieger's one of my favorite guitarists but yeah. dinsmore's a madman like he's such mm-hmm. a good drummer mm-hmm. he's nuts man i my pops we used to listen to doors i remember driving through like <laughs> like somewhere out west like the windshield we had a rental car the windshield broke and mm. we determined that we needed to like go back to the rental place but it was like a couple hundred miles and so my uh i opted to go with my dad while my brother and my mom stayed mm. stayed where we were and um i just remember they played or we had like a door cd that my dad brought and like i remember listening to riders of the storm like oh yeah. like in the you know like just like in the darkness with oh, these yeah, like on the highway strip <laughs> oh dude it was so <laughs> crazy like yeah man just <clears throat> I don't know. The, uh, you know that album has Elvis, Elvis's bassist on it? Really? Yeah, he's the bass man on most of that album. Huh. That, that's what Ray Manzarek and uh, I think Rothschild, I uh, forget his first name, produced that one too. Mm. But Ray and, and the producer, they got Elvis's bassist to, to get Jim in, yeah. to get him committed to make L.A. Woman. <laughs> They're like, if he's going to be here, will you show up? <laughs> that's crazy. Man, like... You said a couple of things that that were mentioned, and that's one of them is like the, well, the first one is just the idea of sustainability. You're talking about like how they, mm. they practice meditation, these things, so that they can maintain such a long relationship. And I, I feel like I think about, like, like when Chick Corea passed. Like I was watching a lot mm. of interviews, and like, <laughs> man, uh, 
I'm, I'm laughing because of how often I talk about this point, but, <laughs> but basically just like how focused he was on taking care of his own, like everybody in his mm. bands, when they would cut records, he would make sure that everybody got a writer's credit on something. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And that was yeah. back in the day where like, he was going to gigs in a limo. He was playing mm. jazz gigs in a limo. But like, but like the, with the idea of sustainability in that sense of like fiscal sustainability, but also like in, um, you know, emotional sustainability, like this music industry is notorious for chewing up people and mm. destroying lives or, or people destroying their own lives because of sure. the pressures that they've put themselves through. Yeah. And I think that like, that's something I've always thought about a lot is like that. And I think that's something I've always really wanted to maintain is that idea of sustainability. Like mm. even going to the gym, I was never like, I want to have, I want to be able to squat 3000 pounds. <laughs> like it's like, I want to be able to keep working out when I'm 80. You know what I mean? Sure, and like, yeah, yeah. And then there's people in town, I think a lot of times where like when they like when they first move here, they're like, I want to get to tour with this person. Or I want to get to do these things. And yeah. it's like, that's dope. And if you keep trying, you will. And, and, and it's amazing. But at the same time, it's like, I want to have a relationship with someone that is 40 years long. You know what I mean? Like mm. I want to build with someone for that long. Yeah. You know, and I think that like, for me, like meeting, like we're, I've known Cam, uh, Cameron McLeod for like a long time, but like uh, getting to actually spend more time with him this year. And like, we worked on one of his Keep It 100s last year, but just spending a lot of time together, kind of realizing like, we have some ideals that I think are pretty similar. Yeah. And some mindset stuff that's like, that seems very sustainable and mm. very, um, I would argue to say like quick paced, you, you know, uh, yeah, I would argue to say quick paced. It's funny because we say this joke of like, uh, he, he makes fun of me with this idea of like, give me 10 minutes because sometimes like I'll say, give me 10 minutes and it's like two hours of me like doing <laughs> oh, yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but I try to tell him like, you know, there are things where like, and I, I learned this from watching those fact magazine things. It's like, man, for a long time, and I still do it now, is like, I will set a timer for 10 minutes. I will sit in front of my computer. I'll have a template open maybe, you know? And then it's like, I got to make something in 10 minutes. And mm. when we were doing like the Keepa 100s, like there was times where it's like, for every one of those that you heard that I produced, there's probably like four or five. And a lot of times mm. it's like, I, I may, maybe, you know, maybe a little bit less than that, but like there's a lot of ones that were not used. And, and, um, and just my attitude with that was like, I want to give them choices. And also I'm trying to stretch myself. I'm trying to come up sure. with new ideas. Yeah. It's like, how can I say something else? And well, I mean, it's like people look at like maybe people that are like legendary, you know, uh, in, in rappers and, and produce, you know, like Kanye and logic. Like I was sure, yeah. those two and they're like, cause like, what was that? What's his line is like five beats a day for three summers or like whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like, he all, he would talk about how he had, you know, like a, pl a thousand plus, you know, like beats or whatever before he was like really trying to make moves. Logic says the same thing. He was like, yeah. it was like, I had thousands like of stuff. Yeah. And like, I remember hearing that, you know, like, I don't know, whenever I had first heard it and just be like, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what do you mean? Like, why, yeah. would, why would one, like my immediate uneducated mind was like, why would you hold on to like all that? Sure, you know? sure, sure. But then like I started realizing, guys, I was like making and like stuff like that and just realizing like, you know, just like giving them numbers or like, stupid names with like yeah. version two, you know, point two or like whatever, yeah. all these stupid things. Oh man, And just literally. realizing like, there's so much. And like, you know, and I would make different folders or I would make a website and like put them on like, you know, or like a SoundCloud or whatever. I'm like, man, it's just accumulating. Like, this is nuts. And then like just realizing like, oh, that's how you get five beats a day for three summers straight oh i yeah. see oh i get it now it makes <laughs> dude like because you you, you kind of have to because it, it, it's not saying that like you should be ashamed of like the ones you don't use it's just it's not the right time or Absolutely. or you haven't you there's a missing piece there's like you know it's like 
it's missing that subtle brown uh, noise in the background that gives it a little more like, <laughs> oh, it's, it's a heavier sound. What is that? And you're like, yeah, it's that static. You know, it's like, <laughs> Dude, I mean, absolutely. And then and then you also have the principle of like you can flip your own beat. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you can chop up your own thing. Yeah. And then make something with it. Like that's some of my favorites like come from versions of things like that. Or yeah. like it's funny. Yeah. Because some of them, man, they'll sit around for one of the ones that me and Cam dropped in January was something it wasn't that sent around that long it was like October or something mm. and there's there's a pile of like 25 probably from that time period mm, yeah and that's the only one that anyone's ever heard and it's cool because like I'll go through and be like man maybe we need to revisit this one or, <laughs> yeah right but it's the same thing like yeah sometimes it's like you change one thing about it. it's like mm. if I make that kick drum a little bit louder like we were talking yeah, about yeah. earlier or if like man what if I like laid that clap forward or mm. pushed that back or what if I what if I got rid of the harmony and tried this again? Or what if I did that with real bass? What if real like or what if live musicians interpret interpreted mm, this even sometimes? Right, yeah. It's crazy. Like you can end up with something so different than the beginning. And like I used to be, and I still do go through, depending on what I'm working on. Uh if I'm working on my stuff, I feel like uh meaning like the solo Trusco thing, like yeah. um, like there are certain aesthetics, there's certain things where it's like I want to try to do this, there's certain things that I avoid. Yeah. And there's some clarity, not a lot, but there's some. Um, and it's interesting because sometimes I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't always know when I'm starting a session. Like I might have the intention of like, I need to write something for me. Sure. And then I'll make like something that is very clearly not what I want to do with my band, oh, yeah. but would be perfect for this artist or oh, would yeah. be perfect for this kind of record. Yeah. And like, um, and I think that it's funny because sometimes I'll be working on things like, especially during Keep It 100, I was like, man, I want to make some stuff for Cam. And then like out of like seven, There'll be a three where I'm like, oh, this I I gotta keep this one for me. Or like, or like this would be, you know, there's a bass melody in there. It's like that would be so cool to combine that with this part of this other song. Mm, yeah. Uh, which is fun. And it's cool to kind of like cut in batches like that and just, you know, these ones all kind of there's there's a relation, maybe because I use the same template or the same patches. Right. Or you're in the same mood. Same mood, yeah. yeah you know what I mean? So um, you know, and then other times, man, like I'll play games like I will deliberately pick something that sounds like trash. And be like, how do I do mm, something with this it. like yeah. weird drum kit? Well, I love you know? I love to make time capsules, man. Yeah, like like I'll I'll maybe we'll we'll do some like jam stuff or or it's just me making up some beats or whatever. Sure. I have stuff like random, whatever, and I'll just label the folder the day that I did it, right? Yeah, and then I'll I'll go back to it, and I'll and I'll listen to them, and I'll I'll select the ones I like. I'll try and mi I'll mix them all, yeah. but the ones that I like, uh, those are the ones I'll you know run really run the race with. Uh, but then I, I, I don't forget it. I always come back to it at least a, like a few months later. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I have no time sheet. I have no time clock on this uh, habit of mine. It's a recent habit of the last nice. like year and a half or so. But I, I do not I do not disrespect those files. So it's that work that past me did. Yeah. But I have no um, like I said, I, I don't have I have no uh, schedule of when to do it again. I just get this feeling where I'm like, I don't know what I want to make. I don't know what I want to reflect on. I'm yeah. just going to dig into the past and I'll just like, you know, I'll just start flipping through them. And like, it, yeah, it, it's, it's nuts. The, the, the present me looking at that past version and being like, why, why did I look over this one? Like, why did I say that wasn't cool? Or like, why did I think that, yeah. that, that, um, or, or sonically sometimes like my ear has gotten better <laughs> and I'll go back and I'm like, why did I think that sounded like I recorded on a cell phone? Like, those drums are good like yeah like the the the, the snare pops and yep. the, and and the kick is like real clear like i why did i feel like that was like shit like i you know it's so crazy hundred 
million percent on that. <laughs> like, it's so funny because your perspective, right? It's like you've you've seasoned you're just in it. Yeah, you you've know, just done it though. Like, I think that's a big deal. Yeah, like you just did it, and you're like all immediate, you know. And you're, yeah, you're yeah, dead. you you. Well, and like, here's a fun game that I used to play sometimes too. Mm. Like, yeah, because it's like you're pointing the gun at it. You know what I mean? You're like, well, is this working? What's going on with this thing? What's going on with this part? Mm. I don't know about the volume of this. It's funny because huh. I, I remember realizing that I was being so critical of my own thing. I was like, let me just like, here's some, like, here's a record that I put on my computer of like some famous artist and I just put it in the doll. Like, I just mm. put it in there just to see. And sure enough, like, I started looking at it in a critical way where I was like, I actually don't like this thing about this. I actually don't like, oh man, like, there's clipping in the vocal on this part of the song. Like, like I'd pick out these, like, weird little things. Yeah. And then I kind of realized, like, oh, dude, it doesn't need to be perfect. And, mm. like, you know what I mean? Like, it kind of made me feel more comfortable with that. But at the same time, like, there is, there, you're never going to have clarity, like, immediately after creating it. Oh, if you do, that's, that's, that's some first take magic like times 10. Like it's just like, oh yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is it. Like, yeah, that's some awareness right there. <laughs> when it, tur it, it turns into like, like they tell the stories about like Tim Pan Alley, but like I would argue to say that like, if you think about somebody like Dilla or Premiere or people where it's like, they are making massive batches of material. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, in, in each of the cases is different, but there's the idea of like volume to, to uh, volume to find like the the special ones. You know what I mean? Mm, like you're kind uh, of like you've oh yeah you've dug up the soil and now we're sifting through it to find yeah. the gold. Not to say that like you might come back the next time and be like yo we just learned about platinum and this is all platinum in here. You know what I mean? Or yeah, we just yeah. learned about something else that's in this same you mm. know bucket of stuff that we've been we've been using. But like uh, when you walk away from from for a little while, there's this one artist I work with, um, Rolex, uh, Rochelle Seawright is mm. her, her, her uh, government name. But like she, um, we worked on this song and we did it in like two hours and she was just like, hey, like I wanna stop and I wanna come back in two weeks. It's just like, I wanna sit on it, I wanna hear it, I wanna mull it over, yeah. we'll come back and revisit. And it's interesting cause it's like, when you do things really fast, like Cam and I have cut, we did the EP that we released together in mm -hmm. January was basically off of, not quite a dare, but basically my buddy Pop, he hit me up and said, hey, you wanna play this show at this uh, Neon Kitten? And I was like, cool, man. And he's like, and then he hit me up later, he's like, hey, you wanna do it with Cam? And I was like, yeah, that would be totally fun. And me and Cam had been talking about the idea of like getting together, do some stuff. Mm. And he's like, hey man, like why don't we just cut an EP real quick? And I was like, in Philadelphia at the time, and we had like under two weeks to the to the show. <laughs> and he's like, we'll call it a release show. And I'm gonna be like, yeah, cool. All right, let's do it. Like, bet. Like, so so I was like, I have some stuff, and I sent him some things off the phone. Somebody had hit me too a couple years ago. Like, keep like I have everything connected to, like some you know online servers and stuff. So mm. it's like, oh, like if I met a stranger, could I play them? some fresh stuff could I also play them some things of mine like mm -hmm. and if I need it on the fly like hey I need a beat like it, w it hits this vibe could you know could I do that just like off the fly and sure enough like friends showed me this idea the same thing like keep it in folders keep mm. it all online and um yeah man so I already sent him a couple I was like yo think about this and when I get home like I'll make some new stuff and just got a new synth um and I was stoked and <laughs> so I just started you know cooking some things and um, yeah, we knocked. I think we knocked everything out. Recording, like composition, record, mix, master, in like two or three days, and it was not a lot of songs. I forget how many. If it's two, three, four, I think it's three. Three. So I think. one of them, one of them we made before, um, mm. and, and, and then the other two we finished that week, and then I think I made four that were like ready, you know, mm, kind of yeah. thing. And um, 
Yeah, and is it, you know, and I guess what I was trying to say earlier with like the intention when you're writing, sometimes it's mm. like things that I can do quickly. And I kind of realized as I've studied more, uh, you know, JD, and as I've studied more um, Flying Lotus, and I, I love Taylor McFerrin, I love a lot of the brain feeder guys, but I also love, you know, like knowledge on Stone's Throw and like just kind of seeing like aesthetic differences. And yeah. I think I used to very much, and I still will for my music or certain things be like very maximalist of like, I want every thing I can come up with that I can fit in here, a la Jacob Collier, 200 tracks of stuff, you know? And it's like, and that's cool, but that takes way more time. And also like to paint like that, like if you were painting, like if you think about it, it's like, I'm alone, I'm going to be painting with like this size brush and this is as big as we can go because I'm one person and this is sure, as much as yeah. I can do in one take. Like that uh, is very different than like, here's a bigger paintbrush and I'm going to paint like two or three lines with this and like make shapes out of this mm. and do things with that. And um, and you can make really beautiful things. And if they're watercolors, right, you can be making all these different kinds of shades of stuff. And I feel like that's something that I've kind of noticed with like some of the Dilla stuff is like, man, he can flip something in 10 minutes and he'll pull from three records. And and there's these stories of like, you know, he's cleaning his house every morning. And, and I heard the same thing from, I want to say it was Premier of like the same thing, like you clean your house and you listen to all the records that you bought at the store the day before. But, and then you, and then you've kind of already mapped out like all the things that you could pull from mm. for the day. And then you go back and you're just putting needles on things and, and sampling. Mm. But I think like, you know, as someone that, uh, and, and I guess I haven't really mentioned this, but like I've done some sampling, but the majority of the work that I'm doing, I'm playing in parts, mm. um, you know, and I think that it's a different process to do that, but it's still the same kind of thing. Like I'll think about moods or I'll think about vibes or I'll think about records or I'll think about energies. It's like, I want to captivate something that felt like that. Yeah. What makes that feel like that? So I might right. still listen to it as a reference or I might uh, not, you know, and I'll just kind of explore like, what did my hands do today? Mm. What do I hear? Like what's something that can make this unpredictable yeah. or predictable? And I think, um, you know, and those can lead you down these rabbit holes and like you can kind of, in that, in that Dilla time book, I love this term, they call it like, simple complexity where it's like, mm. it's a six bar phrase, but you're not gonna catch that until the second or third time where we started in the middle of a phrase. So the loop feels irregular. It sounds regular enough that like, somebody just like putting it on isn't gonna be like, what the hell is going on with this? You know, yeah. or, or at least maybe not necessarily at this point. Um, yeah, sure, yeah. You know, but there's definitely stuff where it's like, you realize like when you go to have to learn to play it. And that was that was my experience uh, learning some of Glasper's music was like, mm. man, like, like I listen and be like, this is like straightforward. I'll play it like, wait, the second time the chords are different. Oh, and this thing happened here. And is that an intention or is that a mo like choice of the moment? Mm. You know what I mean? And like, you, then yeah. you start opening these doors. are like, what is, what makes the song the song? And for me, I started finding the devils in the details are like, yo, that weird thing that happens on the third time through the loop. That's what makes the whole thing really interesting. Mm. And like, yeah, I or like. Know. Like, yeah, because there, there was this one recording I remember that, that taught me that lesson yeah. where I was doing some weird stuff with on my guitar with a delay. Yeah. And and I was I was handing it off to the next person to do it. And instead of playing the rhythm part, I just held whatever the last chord was. And I strummed it and I grabbed the the time knob and just started going back and forth. And, <laughs> and it started going, you know, I started just yeah. like getting real wacky. And like, yeah, I remember when I listened to that back, like I had forgotten I had done that. And I listened to that back. I was like, what is that little... I, oh, that was me. I didn't, I wasn't playing. Cause you know, it doesn't, it didn't sound normal at all. Yeah. And I wasn't playing. I just held it and just like, I was like that, that, that little moment was great because like, as I was like, as the, like it was getting higher pitch, the, yeah. the little rebound noise or whatever, he was playing higher up on his fretboard and it just happened to like kind of coincide at the right time. And it was just like 
happenstance. I was like, that was great. That little weird thing, that makes it for me. I was like, I'm going to start it from there. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like, 100%. And, that, and that, that's the thing, like, man, uh, I don't know. I Like, I don't have evidence that this is what people did with other records, but I've just always thought, like, when you hear false starts on records, um, not that it's necessarily intentional, hmm. but the thing is, like, uh, a lot of times, like, I will... I will deliberately ask the band to do a false start. Like if I feel like we have trouble settling mm. into something, mm -hmm. it's like play it, cut for one bar, come back in. Cause you, cause you're hearing it in your head. You've already, mm. like sometimes there's that negotiation when you start, right? Like, like the that drum immediate reference, like keeping that in your head though. Yeah. Like play it, get it in there and let's do it again. Totally. You mm. know? And I, I think that like for a rehearsed show, like that's something that like I'm always digging in being like, mm. no, 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 no. If we're doing it with click or whatever it is, like this has got to settle at bar one. But if it's like for a record, it's even more important sometimes to be like, I want that sometimes, right? Yeah. But then um, it's funny, like I was at uh, Fernware yesterday and like we were cutting a record. Uh, we were like experimenting on something I just came up with. Mm. And we had done a bunch of takes and at first I was playing Rhodes cause I was like trying to show the voicings and like, and I, I don't know, I just thought it'd be cool to do that. And maybe I could dub bass later. Mm. So we did that and eventually I was like, all right, I gotta switch the bass and made my main bass something weird with the electronics and ended up switching to a different one. But we, we did a take and it was like, okay. Right. And then we did another take and it was like still in the same vein. And I didn't like and in between those. We stopped and talked. Mm. But that last take we did, I didn't say anything. And I just started playing the top and I played it different. I started playing the chords instead of playing the bass line. Mm. And everybody was just kind of messing around. Like a drummer started messing around. Guitar player was like, you know, nobody knew that we were doing it again. You know what I mean? I didn't mm. even know oh, that we were doing yeah, it again. Yeah. But then I just went to the next part of the song like we normally would and everybody went and then it was super playful and interactive in a way that before it was like, man, I gotta get my part right. Or man, like, let me make sure I can nail this. And it's like, it wasn't about that. It was about being free. It was about being open. Yeah. And guess which take we picked, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was the last one, you know? So yeah. it's just kind of funny sometimes of like, like cultivating the right energy in the room. Mm. And I think that's one of the things about Voodoo, the, the D'Angelo record that I enjoy so much is like, there was so much intent into like they're using the studio that Jimi Hendrix recorded in. Mm. They're listening to these records all day. They were spending so much money, spending so much time just chilling in there. Well, well and there because it's it's Voodoo, Mama's Gun, and uh, like water, like for, water chocolate. for chocolate. Yeah. yeah, it's all like the same period. They're all working like together. Yeah. They were at least Erica was living there, but like yeah, they were like basically like living at at Electric Lady. Like yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like, there, and yeah, and you're hitting the nail on the head, a lot of a collaboration, a lot yeah. of people, uh, you know, going between the places. That was one of my things jumping around, but like, that was one of the things that made me feel more at home in Dallas was mm. when I realized that there was such a tight connection between the music culture of Philadelphia and mm, Dallas. Dallas. Like, I just yeah. was like, oh man. And it's funny, like now, there's a lot of people that I know from Philly that I met here that when I go home, it's like, we go hang in Philly. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of funny sometimes of like, yeah, just how much how much connection, hmm. but, but that same, but that idea of the spirit, and and I agree that like those all those like Soul Aquarians records, like they, you know, there's there's a beauty to that, and there's a moment in time that that was captivating with those people in those rooms, yeah. and then learning the stories about that like, Glasper is coming to those sessions, right? That oh, Bilal's yeah. there, that that I believe I you know I need to have to correct me, but like I believe RC like had seen some of that mm. stuff, you know what I mean? Like and just kind of hearing, like yeah. all these all these all these people that are adjacent to the moments or a part of the moments yeah. or, you know, in these different ways and just kind of realizing that like, it's all connected. Yeah. And you know what I mean? It's all one big thing and it's all part of the same dialogue. And, th and then like, um, I guess the recent thing for me is like, uh, just seeing all, like recognizing all the ways that, that, that 
James Yancey like influenced all this stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? And just that like he, yeah, all the ways and how that went so much further than his name during his lifetime. Mm. And that like, uh, and that in some ways that's, that's frustrating. I think I, you know, sure. I can imagine that being frustrating, but I think at the same time, it's in, it's insane. Like you think about him or you think about Jocko or like, people where it's like they did something so revolutionary that like the world like the musical like the world has changed period sure like yeah. you know and i would you know maybe that's over overblown but minimum music has changed like sure well i mean it's like think about like this uh yeah in the same line of thing of thought like like van gogh like he never saw anything he went to his grave a pauper like yeah he, the only way he made money was when he died his it was his sister-in-law i think mm -hmm. that was the first time he like turned a profit was he died and then she immediately tried to sell a bunch of his paintings wow. and that was the first time he made a money made money was when he died and it was just because she was pushing it so hard and i think yeah and it's like and now it's like he's a classic you know yeah it's just insane like yeah and, and yeah with music there are absolutely those figures where you're like and you, when you find that, especially the influences where like where they learned from things, it's like oh, it, it, music is like a bottomless well. It's, like, <laughs> it's yeah, it, it, it's a whole lifetime's worth of work and time. And time. Mm, like yeah. I, I, I sometimes I tell people like, like sometimes I used to get bummed watching. I would feel depressed like watching. Man, I remember it's been a handful of different times, but it's like hearing something or watching something. Like I remember this is a song, actual proof. It's like insanely. Uh, common, I, I don't want to say it's insanely hard, but it's a very hard song. It's mm. a, definitely a rite of passage song, I would argue, mm. say in Dallas. Um, but like that, it happened with that, or maybe like uh, Spain actually is the first time I think I felt it. I was like mm. watching the Nux play this song and being like, y'all are murdering. Like you were playing this so well, you're doing, you can say all these things. And it's like, I can barely play. Like at the time, it was like, I could mm. barely play the melody. It was like, how is this? And then I started realizing it's like, not only have they all spent so long playing the song individually, but they've been playing the song as a unit mm. for years. Yeah. And then when you think about like a residency and that they play this every week, that's 52 times in a year, assuming that you only play that the one time that week, one. that you yeah. don't go home and shed that for an hour, yeah. that you don't explore these things. And, and then you do that across a decade. It's like, of course, that's gonna feel like something that's in your back pocket at some point, yeah. you know? And like, and I think that that's the beauty of some of that music is like, it becomes normalized of like the expectation around here, like mm. versus Philly, I don't, I don't know, because I, I, I shouldn't do a lot of versus Phillies, because most of my adult life was here. But there's things where like it is very expected here of like if you're a bass player, you should be able to do this thing, or or mm. that like you'll be asked to take a solo. You sure, yeah. You know, and and um and you'll or you'll be asked to do these things, and I loved that. I realized I was like, man, I feel like an equal partner in the thing. It's not just like support, support, support. Yeah. But then there's other times where it's like there's nothing wrong with just support, support, support. Sure, it's like yeah. isn't my part enough? Was is like a, a quote I love from. Ah oh, man, I, th I want to say it's an Anthony Jackson quote where it's like, do I need a solo? You've been hearing me all night. You know mm. what I mean? I could be wrong, might be misquoting, but it's just like, I do love, I don't know, I'm jumping around a lot, but I do love like all those facets of like how music works and how deep like the investment is. And I think, you know, something, something I've said, I, I talked for a little bit and like um, something I would say to students is like, um, you know, at first it's like, Oh yeah, to get better at something, it's like you just have to invest time. It's like okay, cool. Like I'll, I'll stay in a little bit longer. I'll stay up later, get up earlier, whatever it is. Mm, like yeah. put in some more time. Yeah, cool. And eventually, like the joke though is that like everything is time. Like seeing your family costs time, mm. making money costs time, 
experiencing joy across time, <laughs> yeah. developing a relationship, starting a family. Mm. And like, and it turns this thing where like over time you're negotiating and balancing these things in different ways. Right. Um, and it gets harder to make that time. Uh, but I feel like at the same time, I love saying time if you can't tell, uh, it's, it just, it's important to have that balance and it's important to understand what it means to you. And there's some mm. people where it's like, like I honestly feel like if I don't play, like there's certain things where it's like, I feel better when I talk. Mm -hmm. And it's like, cool, we talked about it. There's certain things where like, if I don't play, I don't feel calm or I don't feel okay. Mm. Like it gives me a grounding that I can't get through verbalization. Yeah. And and there's things where like, uh, there's something else that I kind of noticed in, you know, a small, you know, in the big picture, a small thing from the pandemic, but I stopped singing. Stop singing because mm. I don't want to get sick. And I kept thinking about that. And I realized that like, I was missing a part of myself when I don't sing because mm. that was a form of expression that even yeah. though I'm not saying something to a person, I'm letting something out of me, out of my soul, out of my energy, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, that's like making me feel heard, understood, me coming to terms with the things I have to deal with. Yeah. Like all of that comes from those things that I can't get from just a Zoom call or talking to people or yeah. or going to a gig. And 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 I've had to recognize those things that to, to invest in oneself, like when it comes back to that thing, it's like you have to cut that from somewhere. And it doesn't mean you mm. can't go out on a Tuesday or a Sunday and hang out with your friends or yeah. play a gig late at night. But it does mean sometimes it's like, I have to take the responsibility of even though that could pay me money or even though this is going on, it's like, I need to be sewing into my record or I need to be sewing into these endeavors that can benefit not just myself even in a lot right. of ways, right? You think about, you know, I, I already said the Chick Corea thing, but I think about that, I like, I, I wanna be the kind of artist where like, as I continue to develop my craft and grow, that everyone I'm around, we all support each other and that we can build together because one per, like you think about the marathon, right? And it's like, if one person runs a marathon, right? It's like, it takes a long time. I've done it, it's a, lo it's a long run, <laughs> right? But then you think about the relay race, right? And it's like, that that thing can move way faster. Obviously it's a shorter distance, but because you're handing this thing off and because you're letting people do the thing that they're good at for that moment, yeah, everybody can go way further. And I think that that's a thing that I love about Dallas is seeing seeing those elements, seeing people like RC and Sput, um, you know, where and Sean, where like they've been able to connect, you know, younger generations with older generations and be able to like, you know, provide vehicles for people to learn and to grow, yeah. you know, with them. Um, and I think I, at the same time, I think about my generation of how I want more, I want us to be building more things ourselves and they're happening yeah. and I see it and it's exciting, but it takes a long time. And, mm. and like, that's something I have to remind myself to the point where like the, one of the songs I released miles, like that's literally what it's about to me is like about patience. It's about mm. understanding that like, it doesn't, you don't just, it's not just there and you can sit there and try to, you know, kill yourself putting in hours but it's not about putting in hours this week. It's about that marathon. And it's about also recognizing when you need somebody else to help you and yeah. how to help. Like, I can't tell you how many bands I've played in. And at this point it's like, you can, and I know a lot of people that sideman all can kind of do this where it's like, you're almost like a therapist or something. You can look at the interaction and be like, this is gonna be a problem in six months because this is not getting clarified now. <laughs> or these two people do not get along, so this band is going to end. Yeah, or like, like they're just putting up with each other. They don't really get along. <laughs> yeah, you know, or like these two people started dating we, mm. and like, and it seems rocky. It's like, there might be a time bomb potentially, or like, yeah. you know, and, and, and not to say like, I can be proven wrong. Like I, that's me oh, sure. shooting the gun without like, you yeah. know, without any information. But at the same time, it's like, 
you recognize those things and, and you try, if you're in a supportive role, to figure out what is the best way that I can serve this music or serve this organization or serve this band or whatever it is. Yeah. And just understand like, yeah, you know, understand what your, but also understand what your role is because mm. this is a, you know, I make this joke a lot of like, I've, I've started to become, you know, in music director roles for different uh, artists and for, mm. uh, for Journeyman Inc. and a few, you know, a few things. Cam and I have done some stuff where I've worked as MD and, um, and I've done some things with Alex Blair in the past and kind of blanket off the top of my head, whatever. But the, but the point is that like, um, in the past, before I was doing that stuff, I kind of realized that I wanted to become in charge of how the music was mm. going or be the musical director because yeah. I felt like um, there's a lot of situations where I was kind of playing secret MD where it's like I wrote the song down or I learned the song and somebody else didn't know it. So I'd have to throw numbers the whole time, mm. you know, or I would be giving guidance or being like, y'all can't play the same. Like if you're, you know, if the keyboard player is doing this, like you need to be playing something different so that we can have a fuller sound. Yeah. You know, like I would be giving these directions and then I realized it's like, I'm not be, like, being compensated differently for this or any of these things while when I'm around, I feel like the musical experience I perceive as maybe different or better or exciting mm. in the ways that I see fit. Right. But I had to start recognizing that like, okay, if I take these roles, like in some cases, not with, you know, not with my friends, but if, you know, if it's a business transaction, it's like, yeah. um, you know, I might need to, it's going to take more time. It's going to cost more money. So I need to be compensated for that. Mm. Or, um, you know, and just kind of itemizing it. I know we talked a little yeah. bit before the, the thing world of just like, you know, as you get, as you get more comfortable with your services and the things that you do, just like recognizing, like, this is what I, like this thing that we want to do costs this. How can we do that? Can yeah. I finance this? Can you finance this? Can someone else finance this? And can we build that to be something that's bigger than what currently occurs? And yeah. I think, you know, we I've ran some experiments with this kind of process um, and I've been pretty happy with the results to the point where it's like, Okay, now we're looking at some new trajectories for how we want to do some of these events or how we want to record things mm. or how we want to document stuff. Yeah. Uh, I was really happy in, in February, we did a, a Jay Dilla tribute um, at Revelers Hall and I had this idea of like, what if we enhanced the sound system? What if we recorded this? What if, what if we made it a live recording? Um, and, you know, and I was inspired by seeing things that I've done with RC, like it was cool being a part of his live recording. Like mm. I was I was just on the engineer side for that one, but it was cool to just see that and realize like, man, we do have the power to document these things. Yeah. It's not free, you know what I mean? And sure, that's fine, yeah. you know? And at the time I was working at UNT and I was like, man, this would make sense. Like, let me invest some money to see like, can we build a new thing? And, mm. uh, and, and to me, I haven't released that material, but I'm super proud of it and I can't mm. wait to, you know? And I think that there's some things that, um, yeah, that I'm really excited to get to share with people and, and the same principles of just like, if we're doing this show or opening for X person, like what can we do to make this different than what an opener would normally do? Like trying sure. to approach these things of like, how can this be different? How can we push beyond what we've done before? And I think about that all the time. Uh, and I love ideating that kind of stuff with Cam. Um, but I think about that too with my own projects of like, I've done stuff at Arco where I decided to build visuals for the whole show. And granted, I'm finding loops and trying to figure out how to connect it trying to find new ways of representing what I do. Yeah. Connections so that people can. New ways to communicate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Well, you're definitely a communicator, bro. <laughs> trying. Trying. <laughs> oh, man. Cam always says this thing to me. He's like, we need to start a podcast. And it made me so happy that that he was on the oh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and and when I told him, he's like, bro, he's like, bro you're going to be fine being on a podcast. You, talk, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, 
<laughs> yes. Uh, uh, well, this has been great, man. Yeah, man. I Thank really you so much it. for having me. Yeah, man. of course. Well, yeah. uh, where can people keep up? Uh, keep up with you? Yeah, you can find me on the interwebs, uh, truscomusic.com. Uh, if you look Robert Trusco on Spotify, you will find things. You will find more stuff on Bandcamp uh, mm. if you Trusco Music. Um, Instagram, rtrusco. That's R-T-R-U-S-K-O. And that is Trusco, not Trusco, not Tresco. It's Trusco. So um, it's probably enough of that. <laughs> um, you got it. Yeah. Well, man, thanks again, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'll awesome. do it again sometime. Yeah, man. Totally.